Here we go! Welcome to the Nintendo Power Zone. We are a video cast slash podcast dedicated to bringing you the best Nintendo-related topics. As always, I am your host, Nice193, and I am joined by Blues. And in a few moments, we'll be joined by Jaden. Uh, and we are continuing our year in review. Well, this is part two, so this is going to be through July. And this, uh, this is going to be from July through December. So lots of stuff to, t- to talk about still. We are in, by no means done covering the year of 2017. It has been a phenomenal year, as we talked about in our first part. So we're only going to look forward to all the amazing stuff that we're going to talk about coming up. So we're going to start here in the month of July. And <clears throat> with that, the first major news story to happen in July was Pokemon Go celebrated its first anniversary. And what they did to celebrate that was having Pokemon Go Fest in Chicago, and it was a troubled event, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. Uh, They were having server issues out the wazoo. Uh, People could not access the game, and that led to a lot of problems because uh, what they were doing with Pokemon Go Fest was they were trying to do this massive uh, event in which they had a bunch of people all in one park and the goal of this GoFest was to catch Lugia. And uh, if enough people caught Lugia at this event, then it would be uh, accessible globally. And they were having massive, massive server issues. Like, people could not play the game. Uh, the president of uh, Niantic, John Hanke, got booed off the stage. Uh, while delivering his uh, keynote presentation at the event because people were heated that they could not access the game at an event that they paid to be at. Uh, Not only that, but this event was broadcast on YouTube and Twitch globally, so people could see the Disaster Fest taking place. This was not a good event uh, for for, uh, the Niantic or the Pokemon Company or anybody involved in making this event a reality. Uh, So this was taking place in Grant Park. It really was a bad way to cap off one year of Pokemon Go, uh, especially after the 2016 that the game had. 2016 for Pokemon Go was massive. Uh, It was huge Uh, in the early going, but then there was a massive drop-off too. So like pretty much you're only left with like the hardcore Pokemon Go contingency left playing the game. Like we've weeded out all like, you know, the people who the bandwagon hoppers who got the game and played it in the early days. And now we're at this point where it's strictly just the hardcore. So the people who are at this event are the super hardcore because some of them traveled a great distance to be there Mm -hmm. for this not to work. That was just a travesty. Um, And, I don't know whose fault it is. Like maybe you, maybe it's Niantic, but uh, Niantic was quick to put the blame on the city, saying that there's, you know, the city's service couldn't handle, you know, such a large influx of traffic at the same time. Like this was something that they should have known was going to happen. Like I mean, and I know that like Ingress has events like this, mm-hmm. you know, Ingress being their like first like big venture into this. Yeah, 
but the ingress you know community is more niche than uh, mm -hmm. the Pokemon community. Pokemon community, like even though like the, the people playing Pokemon Go aren't as many, like the the, the Pokemon community does really embrace Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. and the Pokemon community is really vast. So this just was a total failure, and I really can't see them doing another event like this in America. I think it definitely was um, not entirely Niantic's fault either, because um, they have done events like this not on this scale, but they should have been a bit more prepared, I feel, after considering the initial launch of Pokemon Go and how they r run previous events, etc. I'm not familiar with Grant Park either, but I also wonder if it's like that was the minimum they could get at Grant Park. It's like if in order to get the venue, they had to have a certain amount of people and like the well, 20,000 was as low as they could get for some reason. I don't know. But well, I honestly think for this event, it wouldn't have, it, it would have been really easy for them to, you know, to do more than 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. uh, like the tickets sold out for this. Yeah. Like within five minutes. For sure, so, so it would have been really easy for them to, you know, have more people at this event. Like they, they could have had like fifty thousand people at this event if you know the, the capacity for the park could have withheld it. All right, so moving on in July, the next major major uh, event to come out of July was the Splatoon Two Direct, and in that direct, I think the key highlight of that direct was that they announced the first splat vest cake versus ice cream uh and that was going to happen before the game launched i believe it was a week before the game actually launched they were going to do another uh global test fire but in the guise of a splat fest and that was really cool i knew really they tried that and it was really fun really cool that was a really brilliant idea for splat fest like I could not believe that they wanted to do a Splatfest before the launch of a game. And it was so cool. It was like, you know, we got to see Pearl and Marina mm -hmm. uh, for the first time. We got to, you know, be in the Splatfest Plaza. We got to hear that song that they sing. And the theme was really good as well. Cake versus ice cream. I mean, come on now. These, I got a sweet tooth. I love sweets. I mean, mm -hmm. team ice cream all the way. Because yeah. like I'm not a huge fan of cake, but yeah. a really a really good theme, a really good way to showcase the game, you know, right before it came out. It was a way to build hype for Definitely. the game right before it launched. And I was like, wow. Nintendo is taking a lot of of like opportunities and utilizing them properly. Like beforehand. I would think that Nintendo was always missing out on opportunities to showcase games, especially with a game like Splatoon. The first Splatoon game, while it was a massive success on the Wii U, like I don't, it still didn't reach the amount of people that it could have reached. Uh, and I think this was a nice way to do it. Again, second test fire that they've had for Splatoon two, essentially, mm -hmm. but done as a splat fest. It added stakes to the test fire. You like you wanted to represent your team. If you were team cake, you want to represent your team. If you're team ice cream, you want to represent your team. And ultimately, ice cream takes the Splatfest. But I, I really enjoyed the thinking behind Splatfest uh, as a test fire event. Mm -hmm. I could, like they just did such a good job of making that happen. And it it just really 
built upon the success of the first global test fire, the arms test punch. It's just, they're just building on those successes and really making their games accessible to to much more people than they would have inst- instead of just saying, if you want to play Splatfest, you have to buy the game. They said, no, participate in a Splatfest. Don't buy the game yet. You know, you don't have to buy the game to participate in this uh, initial Splatfest. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Uh, they have their own little demo icon for it on the Switch as well, which I thought looks really nice. I haven't deleted it from my console. It's still there. Just because I like the way the icon looks. Yeah, I'll agree with that. You did a good job. How did you feel about the uh, first Splatfest? Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't get, I got like not enough time to play it because like work kept me late, so I got like for the last like ten minutes. But it was really fun participating. Um, I, I was team ice cream, of course. Um, and I got, I think up to rank like I think quick into king. What's what's below king, basically. Um, but yeah, and I I've used I, I think used Defender is what's below. Yeah, Defender. I got to Defender. Um, I screamed Defender in like under ten minutes. I was proud. Um, and then I got like I don't know what else. I think I mostly used the um, splatter shots, traditional splatter shots, and it was it was definitely just like experiencing the game for the first time. I missed the first flat fest. It was really I had to take it in, but also like I'm a platoon veteran, so I didn't need to take too much time with like, figuring everything out too so i jumped right in i did really well i thought um but i also wanted to take a time like i think now is like a good time in our year in sort of calendar to mention because this is what at this point in the year i was really thinking that nintendo like really capitalized on every single thing that they could and everything was sort of executed perfectly and built perfectly like if the switch itself was built any different i feel like it would have i don't want to say flopped but not done as well as it did it's you're taking a very big risky gimmick with the portable the handheld idea and by taking that gimmick and and it could go either way if it was done any worse or any differently in any sense it might not have done as well i feel like they did a good job of mainstreaming like how games should be played with the whole joy cons thing um, and keeping it simple, but keeping it very functional and, and high-end, etc. Like, if it was less powerful than the Wii U, like, where would we be, you know? They didn't have to make it powerful as it is, and they did. They got that right, they got the controls right, they got how to streamline it right. Everything looks good on how the system was built itself. Launching immediately with Zelda, like, every single thing they put out this year was, I think expertly timed into the calendar and placed into the months so that you have um start off with a really big game zelda right sort of when that's just maybe leaving players after after they beat it um you throw like a splat and not splash fest but the um first test fire in there to sort of get attention draw attention to the game keep people playing etc and then these mario kart blah 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 and everything just felt like perfectly executed once again going back to the momentum they've had a very strong momentum going forward and i feel like when it came to splatoon it's like everything was capitalized on perfectly like not instead of just making like an extra test fire they went and made it a splat fest they, they worked with mcdonald's way back in on um, what was april like yeah. everything they could have capitalized on they did and i love that well, and it doesn't hurt that they've had a tentpole title uh every month since mm-hmm. the release of the Switch. So we started with Breath of the Wild, 
Then we, you know, move in March. In April, we hit up uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yes. Uh, May, we have uh, Street Fighter Super and Street Fighter and Disgaea. June, uh, arms. June we had ARMS. Uh, July, we had... No, ju- yeah, no arm. Poke was uh, September. September, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, uh, July, we had... Splatoon. Splatoon 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had the the Splatfest a week before, and thus far we've had a major tentpole release mm-hmm. every month leading into, you know, you know throughout the year. I'm sorry. Yeah. So they, they've, they've managed to keep the train rolling, and they're using mm-hmm. established core IP with the exception of ARMS, which, is, which was a new IP, yeah. but it – because of the the character design, the stage design, the game design of Arms, it was able to carry them through that month and be successful early on. And I also it, just feel like having a mix worked. of new IP and old IP is a very good thing to have. Like if you're just scrolling with the tried and true stuff, you know, there's innovation, but you can go so much further with new IPs that aren't thought of or established any sort of way. So new IPs, I think, yeah. are really crucial for the Switch as well. And I and we're kind of glossing over like a lot of stuff, but there were lots of there were lots of indie games to come mm-hmm. out for the Switch as well that have done re- relatively well because at this point we had like games like Snake Pass that did really well uh, as a you know for an indie game, and I think that you know the Snake Snake Pass on the Switch was considered to be like perfect because of the portability aspect of the mm-hmm. Switch, where like playing it on the other consoles you lose that. That yeah, uh, that ability. It was like a casual experience. This was fun, relaxing. You'd control snake up things, collect the orbs, collect the coins. And it's not something I'd want to just play on a TV all the time. It's something I just want to take with me, something to just chill out with wherever, you know? So you definitely played this, which is strengths, definitely. All right. So next up, uh, Gamescom. Gamescom in Germany. Pretty low key event, uh, it, it seemed like. But Nintendo has some uh, little tricks up its sleeve. Uh, they didn't just co- go to Gamescom and show off what they already showed off at E3. I mean, they did, but they also decided to uh, showcase a couple of trailers, and uh, one of them for ARMS. Mm-hmm. And with that, they highlighted uh, their second DLC character, Lollipop, uh, who is like the candy clown. Who is yeah. obnoxiously and annoyingly cute? Who's also an annoyingly she's an annoying character to fight against uh, yeah, because she's so defensive. Is, yeah, her shield tech is unbelievable. Yeah, but yeah, so right right off the bat, they you know they, they go to this low key smaller event in Germany, and they're showing off new characters for you know a pretty popular fighting game that they've released. Mm-hmm. And a character that is getting a lot of love from the community. Not just that, but they also unveiled her new stage and her new arms. Uh, the Funchucks are my absolute favorite arms in the game. Um, they're just they're just so odd. It's like it's, she's a nunchuck. She's a nunchuck wielding clown. Like that's that's hilarious, and it makes no sense. But Have I somehow love it. New nunchuck weapons from Doctor Coil. Yes, uh, yeah. the freezy ones. I don't yeah, remember what yeah. they're called. No, it's it's like the burr chocks, I think, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, but yeah, but but yeah, like what a brand. 
a, a, new, a brand new type of arm that we hadn't got yet. Because a lot of the arms are kind of variations upon other yeah. arms. So, <clears throat> you know, they'll, the they'll have like a... Electric. Yeah, the, oh. the only difference is, is like their, their abilities. Element, yeah. Or so, curvature, whatever. Exactly. And I think sometimes speed, but not not always. Yeah, speed like um, megawatt versus um, megaton is electric element, but faster. Um, Clapback versus guardian electric element or reflector. Um, Biff versus Bob. They're both elemental lists, but they travel different speeds and different sizes. I think. Yeah. So that that was a cool like addition to arms. Uh, mm -hmm. th that was a cool announcement for the game. Moving on though. Splatoon got a trailer as well, and they announced a couple of new things for Splatoon. So we had our first uh, brand new uh, special with the uh, bubbler, uh, the bubble blower, which is so OP in yeah. Splat Zones. Yeah, Splat Zones especially. I was, I was playing Splat Zones the other day, and I played against a team where they literally all had the bubble blower. Oh, no. I was like, oh, you guys are so cheap. So and happy! Like, there's no way you can pop all the bubbles before they make them blow everywhere, and then it's just <laughs> downhill. <laughs> I mean, they still lost. They still lost, but it was it was like one of those matches that just wears on you. Yeah, definitely. I see that. Uh, they also announced a new uh, stage for all the modes in the Manta Marina, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know a nice little play on Santa Maria, mm -hmm. and then uh. I actually kind of like the 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 layout of the stage, although it's it's a very long stage. Like that is definitely like a stage where you want to be playing with somebody who uses beacons, yeah. Especially uh, in like tower control or rainmaker, like you want to be able to get faster on that stage. Exactly. I really don't like the layout for that stage. It's probably my least favorite layout for the whole any of the stages. I don't know. I mean, I like the layout, but it is one of the. It is one of the more tedious stages to play on. Like, it's, I hate it's one of the, I actually have like, I think that's the stage that I have like the lowest win ratio on for some reason. Just apparently, I'm not good at it. I just don't like it. It's easy to least favorite stage. Hmm. <laughs> oh, and then we got one more addition to the game, and that is the salmon run Brilla. stage. Oh, okay. Not oh yes, yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had the umbrella, okay, okay. which. Yeah, which is like the umbrella that somehow functions like a shotgun. Yeah, I love it. But I love the umbrella. Shield, shotgun, everything I love. But they also, for for uh, as far as stages are concerned, they added a new stage to Salmon Run, mm -hmm. and that stage is brutal. The mm -hmm. I really can't remember what it's called, but it's the one that has the building enclosure. Yeah, that makes it hard to see when uh when the uh. The salmonoids are approaching, yeah. and it's, it's also horrible like because a smaller it, stage. I feel yes, it is, and if you get trapped inside that building, you are you are just just mm -hmm. be prepared. Yeah, so the, that's where the baskets each of the are too. It makes it worse. Yep, <clears throat> makes it. It is a very hard stage, but mm -hmm. it is. It's a good one. It's like surprisingly as much as hard it's as it is fun. to play on the stage. It's it's fun because it. Because of its sheer, you know, the 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 the, the minute size that it has, mm -hmm. it makes every match, even like in the beginning, that first level, mm -hmm. it makes every match feel claustrophobic, and you know, mm -hmm. there's always the the threat of losing is much more real on yeah. that stage, I believe. Because <clears throat> there's 
more mobs in less space, which means more danger <laughs> at all times. Even if it's a lighter oh, wave, it's it's incredibly. Oh, the worst uh, thing on that stage is getting like a griller wave. Mm, yeah, the grillers. No, because there's nowhere to go. There is nowhere to go. High tide with grillers, you're screwed. Oh, high tide! I just hate high tide in general on that stage. Mm. No, <laughs> I don't want it. So yeah, that's July, man. Lots of cool stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. you had the disaster of Pokemon Go Fest, but you know you had your first Splat Fest mm -hmm. uh, taking place, and Gamescom was a pretty major success for them, and they really showed off a lot of Metroid uh, Samus Returns at Gamescom. Like they made that the highlight of their of their Gamescom, and it was mm -hmm. nice to see the the 2DS 3DS family getting that kind of love, especially mm -hmm. in a year that's been highly dominated by uh, the Switch at this point. By this point, the Switch was highly established by Nintendo. They spent tons of money marketing the Switch. Uh, we're already into the summer of Switch, which you know they started with in July. They're like, this is the summer of Switch. Splatoon will be the game to kick off the summer of Switch. They, you know, they, they really kicked the summer off right. Mm -hmm. like, like you were saying earlier, like they kept, you know, they executed everything perfectly. And even having that marketing campaign, Summer of Switch, was brilliant because what were the games they used to tie into that? So they did. So for July, they were they were like really pimping Splatoon. Mm -hmm. In August, we knew about Mario Rabbids, and then in September, they were pimping Pokemon Tournament. So they were really mm -hmm. spent time hyping up the summer, and they showcased Arms as part of the Summer of Switch yeah. as well, despite the fact that it was their spring release, spring yeah. rotations, because they literally waited to the last weekend of spring. Yeah. All right. So moving into August. August was a low-key month, but we saw some major third-party support for the Switch. Mm -hmm. We got Sonic Mania and Mario yes. Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle in the month of August. Mm -hmm. I was thoroughly impressed with uh the with, with these third-party releases. Sonic Mania was a brilliant game. Like I know a lot of people have a lot of things. Negative things to say about Sonic the Hedgehog, and none of it is unfounded. Mm -hmm. Any argument you make against Sonic the Hedgehog is legitimate at this point. Uh, yeah. But with Sonic Mania, it's a it's a game made by hardcore Sonic the Hedgehog fans and fans of the classic Sonic the Hedgehog. And what they were able to do was make this nice in between game. It's like this game that's not quite. It's it's better than a Sega Genesis looking game, but it's not quite Saturn type graphics. They like found this like middle ground for Sonic the Hedgehog, and they made this brilliantly designed game using all the great elements of Sonic and adding to their own. Like the drop dash is one of my favorite things to do. It's the best way to build momentum mm -hmm. um, in the game in uh, in the middle of a jump. So I love stuff like that. The level design. Is fantastic. You got your classic stages, and then you have like your remix classic stages, which are great. Then they they go the extra mile. And they have their own like stages that are mm -hmm. just brilliantly designed as well. And they just all the mini games are perfect. The boss fights are the best boss fights to ever exist in the Sonic the Hedgehog universe. I don't care what anybody like the boss fights in that where you can. Fight Dr. Robotnik in the mean bean machine. Yes. And play, bean and play machine. Yes. Where you're essentially just playing Poyo Poyo. Mm -hmm. But that was a boss fight. Yeah. 
And the moment that happened, I freaked out. I was like, oh! Like, I just had, like, this ultimate nerd moment of just nerd joy. I was like, this mm-hmm. is fan-fucking-tastic. They did... I can't believe they did this. Like, that is just incredible. Excellent game. And, uh, honestly, it's it's my downloadable game of the year. Mm-hmm. That is the game that I recommend everybody downloading. It's $20. I mean... It's $20 if you're just going to download it. I bought the collector's edition that came with the statue and the gold mm-hmm. ring and the cartridge. I bought all that stuff, and I love that. That's one of the best collector's editions of a video game I have ever bought. Uh, even though I feel like the statue could have been better, it doesn't matter. All of that, just really cool, and I just love the way it looks displayed on my shelf. And on top of that, it's just a really fun game. Not a super long game, but... It's actually longer than Sonic uh, 3 and Knuckles. So it's a, it's a very full game. It doesn't feel short. I got about 40 hours out of that game. So, And it's a game that I'm definitely going to continue to come back to because it's just nice, classic, you know, speedy platformer. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I really like about it is that, you know, it's made by hardcore Sonic fans, but also part like the Sonic team. And so going back to the whole Happy Balances thing, like it feels like, you know, a game made by old Sega, but it also has like a fan game feel to it too, where it's like these things Sega would never do these things, but like someone would do it in a fan game, yeah. And so it has that really nice mesh of just like half fan game, half Sega game. I really love, like, I think it was really well balanced to make things spice things up with new ideas, but also keep things fresh, as well as just like fun. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. No, and what's great about this one is that this is another multi-platform title. Mm-hmm. This, yes. This this came out on the Xbox. This came out on the PS4, and now it's out on the Switch. Now, it's not a graphical powerhouse of a game, but it's still like a highly it was a highly anticipated game from a third-party developer that was going to appear on multiple consoles. And when games like that happen, I'm Personally, I'm always going to defer to the Switch version of the game for the mm-hmm. pure aspect of the Switch. Portability. I got a lot of portable playtime out of Sonic Mania. Half of my 40-hour playtime was handheld uh, because the uh, the buttons on the Joy-Con, the, uh, the directional buttons, mm-hmm. work fantastically for this game. Uh, yes. I actually think that the superior way to play Sonic Mania is with... Probably. Using the Joy-Cons in some capacity, whether you want to use the Joy-Con grip or you want to play in handheld mode, the Joy-Cons are probably the best way to enjoy Sonic Mania just because of the directional buttons instead of a D-pad. Uh, because the Switch's Pro Controller D-pad it leaves a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. It's not the best D-pad. I know they've corrected it in later iterations of the Pro Controller, mm-hmm. but the launch Pro Controller that I bought, the mm-hmm. D-pad is touchy. doesn't... Yeah. It's not the best, but yeah, I love this game on the uh, Switch. This is the console that it was designed for, in my opinion. It was designed for the Switch, and it's kind of weird that they announced Sonic Forces for the Switch way before they announced Sonic Mania for the Switch. Uh, I felt like, why is Sonic Forces coming, which looks graphically like on the... (laughs) Graphically, it looked like on the like edge of the Switch's capacity. And right. Sonic Mania wasn't even pushing the Switch's boundaries whatsoever. No. So I was like, why did they announce this game? And I thought, whatever. 
Well, we eventually got it. It's not a matter of graphical, but rather a matter of, of planning and, and what their schedule is in development as well as how it coincides with the Switch in general, their release on other consoles, etc. So it's a more business than it's eight graphics. True that. Mm-hmm. All right. So the other major game, the game that Nintendo was pimping to us, Mario Plus Rabbit Kingdom Battles. Uh, we talked about this uh, back in June for the E3 uh, section of this year in review. Finally got our hands on it. Uh, if it weren't for Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, this would be my game of the year. Uh, that's just. But that being said, look at the two other games that had to come out to be better than this game. Like, it was in good company. Yeah. Like, if this was the game... Like, if we lived in a world without Breath of the Wild on the Switch and without Mario Odyssey on the Switch in the first year, Mario plus Rabbids would be my game of the year. Uh, it is a fantastic uh, RPG, or strategy RPG. I love it. I love the characters in this game, and I am not a fan of the Rabbids, but this game made me a fan of the Rabbids. <laughs> really did. Like, they put so much effort on making the rabbits into likable characters that mm-hmm. I'm hope for us. I want there to be a sequel to this game. I really do. I, I cannot live in a world where we don't get a Mario plus rabbits kingdom battle Two. just a lot of fun. And yes, the story is nonsensical and yes, there are fart jokes and yes, the rabbits still scream, Bwah! but it doesn't matter because they found a way to make it all work and be fun. Mm-hmm. And I spent, 65 hours in this game. 65 hours in this game, and I loved every minute of it. I liked it even when I was losing. I don't like to lose, but when I was losing, I still liked it, and I loved upgrading my characters. I loved getting new weapons, and this was a really strong third-party title. Definitely. From a very from a very passionate development staff, and mm-hmm. again, there are no there is no reason why this game should work as well as it does, but it does, and like I said, take away take away Breath of the Wild for me. Take away Super Mario Odyssey, and this is my game of the year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, moving on to some more litigious news. The first lawsuit against the Nintendo Switch is done by a little company called Game Vice. Who mm-hmm. is Game Vice? Who is Game Vice? Game Vice is a console manufacturer that's not really a console manufacturer so concept is similar they released their own they released a tablet device with a uh with a controller this tablet device functions similarly to an ipad or an android tablet it's actually running off of uh android software Mm -hmm. so it's it's got all this like uh very easy to develop for because it's just operating off of like Google's operating systems and whatnot. Yes. And, and it has a, the, the, the controllers are removable. The controllers Joy-Con are removable. Link. Yes. The system itself, when it's all put together, looks like the Wii U gamepad exactly. Button placement is the same as it is on the Wii U gamepad. And they're suing Nintendo over the concept, uh, over 
they're basically saying that Nintendo infringed on their copyright and that they want Nintendo to cease production of the Switch and they want all profits from the Nintendo Switch to be turned over to GameVice. Problem with this lawsuit. The NVIDIA Shield predates the GameVice device uh-huh. and, the, and the Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. is built in conjunction with NVIDIA. And it's running off of the, the NVIDIA Tegra uh, chip. Mm-hmm. This whole device is being built on NVIDIA's uh, infrastructure. So they, in no way did they infringe on the uh, the 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 patent that GameVice has. Mm-hmm. Similar concept, but execution is completely different. Uh, with the Switch, the controllers are autonomous. Each one of the Joy-Cons functions as its own controller. With the GameVice uh, setup, it's one controller. Uh, I, I honestly think this is the stupidest lawsuit to ever be levied against Nintendo. Uh, and Nintendo has a long history of, you know, lawsuits. Yeah, they've been sued since forever. The first one being uh, Universal Studios sued them over the rights to Donkey Kong, saying that it infringed upon King Kong. Uh, there was a, there's been lawsuits over the DS's touchscreen. There's been lawsuits against the Rumble controller. Lawsuits against the Wiimote. Lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. Like Nintendo lives in court. Yeah, they live in court. I think. And then when we broke this news, they had recently lost a lawsuit over the DS or the it, Wii. The DS. It was either. It was one of the two. I think it was the uh, the, the Wii because of the lawsuit over the motion controls in the yeah. in the Wii mode, I believe. But there was uh, also like a big breakthrough on one of the other ones. So it was like there was a decision about the 3DS or the Wii U. Yeah, they won, like... the 3D, they won the 3DS lawsuit, and then they lost the, the Wii lawsuit. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, headway for another lawsuit, and then this one started, I believe. Yeah, they, they got their first, like, cease and desist order, uh, yeah. which obviously Nintendo said, fuck that, we're suing you back. Yeah. Uh, you know... It's been really quiet on that front, though. Like, yeah. si- since the initial announcement of the lawsuit, uh, Nintendo hasn't really released a statement on it. True. Yeah. Like, there's been there, there's been no major statement against you know uh, from Nintendo against uh, Game Vice, and Game Vice hasn't really said anything to the media. So it's I guess we're just waiting to see how things play out in court. Uh, it really doesn't matter, and it really doesn't matter uh, because the way this is going to go down is like every other Nintendo lawsuit. Either Nintendo's going to win or lose, and then they're going to appeal. If Nintendo loses, they'll appeal. If Game Vice loses, they'll appeal, and this will keep going and going until it gets to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will decide whether or not to take this case. And from there, if they don't take the case, whatever decision... Uh, is final will be upheld, mm-hmm. and if they take the case, well, then it's just another day in paradise in Nintendo Court, and this will take years to yeah. to, to play out. This will take years to play out, and by and the by time, that all, time, yeah, and by the time all said and done, it might the switch might be 
done Dead. and yeah. on to another console. Uh, that's just how lawsuits with Nintendo just tend to go. Yeah. Uh, any any other major thoughts on the Game Vice lawsuit? I think it, it's a noble attempt uh, to at least try and, and sue for something. I feel like I feel like they know that they're not gonna um, win, but they could at least attempt to, to leech off of it. And I feel like that's what they're going for more more than just actually winning. I think talk talk a hard bargain, start big. Like we want all switches dead, we want all your profits, just all of it. And then they could make negotiate it down if potentially. Um, but always start high, so they start as high as they could possibly go. I'm assuming. And work their way down, and then either lose, and then, oh well, what we got in our variety for our system, cool, bingo, and then like Nintendo's just gonna say, well, you know what, you can do that. We're just gonna stall you out in court, and because you can't do anything on this on this front until we have successfully stalled you out, and then we're gonna be moved on. And it's it's a very tried and true sort of system for this lawsuit. It's been seen and done a thousand times in terms of um, copyright ideas. Well, it kind of makes me wonder: would this even be an issue if the game vice itself, the the game vice device, would it have been an issue if the initial device had been successful? Because this is the problem: the the system that they built itself, mm-hmm. it's you know. Like the Wuya and even to even the Nvidia Shield. And personally, I think the Nvidia Shield is a fine console. Like the, the, the thought process behind the Nvidia Shield was brilliant. Like it's a console that you can take on the go, but you can also connect it to your TV. That is exactly what the Switch is. That is exactly what the Switch is. And that is the difference between the Switch and the Game Vice device. Because the Game Vice device is a portable it's console. Portable. Exactly, you cannot connect it to your TV. So Nintendo sees the concept of the NVIDIA Shield, and they say, we like that. We want to make a similar device. And even the method in which you transpose it from the you know handheld to TV is a different, it's a different mm-hmm. method. There's no, docking, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. there's no docking system in the NVIDIA Shield. It's, no, it's, it's more it's, like streaming, uh, if anything. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about two different ways to accomplish the same thing. So you're looking at the you look at the switch and you see that it's it's really built on the the structure that Nvidia had in place already, mm-hmm. and more and they made it more of a Nintendo thing, more streamlined. Yes, yes, it's an extra step, but it is a much more streamlined process because mm-hmm. you're not worrying about the streaming quality of the no. of the you know the games. Yes, but had the game device been a success, we wouldn't be here. And on top of that, it was such a kind of massive failure. That they didn't want to lose out on, you know, the money Profits. that they built. So, yeah, they. So what do they do? They take their they take their concept and they're like, okay, well, our tablet isn't selling. Let's build. Let's take the controllers that we've spent this much time designing, and let's find a way to make it compatible with iPads or Samsung devices and iPhones. Mm-hmm. And on every front, these devices have not succeeded. No, they don't. Like, I went to an Apple store the other day, and I saw the Game Vice. The box was covered in dust. Like, it was the full device. I was like, let me see this. And I picked it up. I was like, dusted it off. I was like, wow. They have never sold this. This this has been in this store 
since this product was shit. Nobody, this lawsuit is really based on the fact that they want to get money somewhere from this yeah. product. Mm -hmm. like, regardless of whether or not it's a just lawsuit, and I don't believe that this is a just lawsuit, but yes. I feel like we've given this its due time. Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about this again until we have There's like a hearing or something. Uh, like, like a breakthrough. Yeah. yeah I, I need a breakthrough for this. Yes, definitely. All right. So capping off August, we had our second Nindy event. Mm -hmm. <laughs> our second Nindy event for the year. And uh, lots of cool games announced mm -hmm. at uh, during this Nindy event. But Murphy's I Law. Think, yes, yes. Morphe's Law. That game, it, it, it's like Splatoon, but... Instead of paint, not, you just grow body parts. Exactly. It's, it's like this weird... Thing and I, I believe that this is also a multi-platform release. Oh, I think it's already, hmm. I, I think it's going to be out on PC. I don't know about uh, I'm not too sure about like Xbox One, PS4, but I know that it is going to be coming out for some other platform. But this is a cool one for Nintendo. This is a good yes. get in my opinion, um, in the sense that Nintendo still doesn't have a lot of multiplayer online shooters. No, uh, Splatoon is pretty, Splatoon. Much and that's it. Anything there. So this is a good one. I'm actually really interested interested in this. I like the art style. It has like this like uh, Day of the Dead vibe. Yeah, yeah. And the stage designs look pretty cool. And just the whole mm -hmm. like growing of the body parts, making them easier to shoot. Like yeah. you know, basically, you don't want your body parts to get bigger. You want them to get smaller because it makes you harder to hit in those places. Yeah. But it's a it's a really cool concept. Uh, but I think the highlight of this event, I think. I mean, they chose to close on it, so you know there was like they knew what they were gonna do. Uh, no more heroes. Uh, Travis Strikes mm -hmm. Back. Yes, I that was out. hyped. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was big. I, I am a huge No More Heroes fan. That was one of my favorite games on the Wii. Mm -hmm. It's just like cheesy uh, cross between Star Wars and wrestling, and you've got this like asshole of a protagonist. Yeah. You you root for him. You root mm -hmm. for Travis because he's a fucking dick. He's the dick that everybody wants to be. Yes, that's so not. true. Travis Touchdown is the asshole that people want that they want to be on the inside, but they don't be that guy. Travis Touchdown is that guy, and he doesn't give a fuck if he is there. He is that guy, and he doesn't give zero fucks given. And I love that about the character. It's just a, he's a cool character, man. He's got a lot of attitude. I mean, and. It's, Suda 51, man. We're talking about a video game legend on the same like echelon as Miyamoto, fucking mm -hmm. uh, Gunpei Yokoi. We're talking like uh, Hideo Kojima. Like you have these Sakurai, you have these legends, these iconic video game designers, and Suda 51 is up there with them. And he mm -hmm. doesn't do as much work as you know somebody as established as him should do. Like, yeah, his titles are game. very. Like ah, oh, like well, he did something smaller, um, for the PlayStation. But I think the last game that he actually directed were the remakes of No More Hero for the the PlayStation and Xbox yes. systems. I'm pretty that sure. was last console generation. Yeah. And how much work did he really need to do to port those games over? Not much, I'm assuming. Like, so it's awesome to see him coming back, and as an independent develop developer, developer, mm -hmm. yes. No More Hero. If we think about it, the first two No More Hero games were published by Ubisoft. Yes. And 
Now he's completely independent with Grasshopper Studios. Uh, nobody, nobody to appease but you know himself. Yes. So he can make the game that he wants to make. But on top of that, he's got this like grand scheme to like work with other indie developers to include their characters into mm -hmm. this franchise. Hotline Miami. Yeah, if you're a fan of No More Heroes, you know that video games play a major, you know, they play a major part of the game. So mm -hmm. to see him work with other indie developers to to incorporate them into a No More Heroes game, it doesn't matter that this game isn't officially No More Heroes 3. This is a No More Heroes game, and Travis Touchdown is back, baby. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I am loving it. That was my biggest freak out of 2017 was the announcement of No More Heroes Travis Strikes Back. And I have been on top of every news article for this game. I have, I, you know, I, I stayed up watching like highlights from like the Nindy event that they did in Seattle. I was on top. I was like, oh man, I want to hear everything about No More Heroes: Travis Strikes Back because I am on board with that game. Mm -hmm. It's um. So that two was my a friends really cool were, way to cl two of my friends who just like were never gonna get a Switch because they're like nothing appealed to them. They I told them about Travis Strikes Back. And they're like, okay, I'm getting a switch just for that. <laughs> and, and so it's in theory, it could be a system seller, <laughs> even as an indie game. But it, it, it's just that good, though. Well, the thing about Travis Touch, I mean, the thing about No More Heroes is very, very similar to uh, the Bayonetta franchise. Yes, it feels like these characters are tied to Nintendo without actually being, mm -hmm. you know, Nintendo IP. Oh, for sure. And and, and I know the first Bayonetta game. Was, you know, it was made by Sega, mm -hmm. and it was on the PS4 and the Xbox. But from Bayonetta 2 onwards, it's been Nintendo pretty much. It's been exclusive to Nintendo because I mean, Nintendo's Nintendo put the money behind it. When mm -hmm. they needed a developer, Nintendo said, "We got you, Platinum Games, because mm -hmm. we like the games." Because Nintendo and Platinum have a very nice relationship with mm -hmm. one another, so Nintendo fronted the bills on that. You know, and what, and the, you know, we got this franchise that is epic uh, in the Bayonetta mm -hmm. series. But like Bayonetta, Travis Touchdown feels tied to Nintendo with his yeah, the Wii. The Wii. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know those games came out on you know they got ported to the Xbox, but years they weren't later, the same. Yeah, they didn't they, have the appeal, the the attention, the sales, or anything. Yeah, and even the motion controls, the motion, the well, it was the waggle was you know was in the PS4 version. If you had a move, yeah. but let's be honest, who has a PlayStation Move? No. Right, everybody, no. raise your hand if you have a PlayStation Move. Nobody. Okay. Only PSVR users. Wait, wait, not even them. Damn. <laughs> no, I mean you're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> I have a PlayStation Four and VR. But I don't have the move. <laughs> Everything you said is true. So no, but yeah, the the characters in No More Heroes, well, the ones that survive those horrible bloody games. Oh, for sure. They feel ingrained in Nintendo culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is. It was. That's what made this Nitties event so special. Was that like you had this character who'd been absent for a while, mm -hmm. you know, similar to characters like Samus and Kid Icarus. Pit. I was gonna say Pit. um that E3 event started to keep you waiting. That reaction was so so just pure. <laughs> it's like started yeah, to keep you waiting, he swoops in and just the hype, the the excitement, the yeah. long awaited return. And, and it yeah, looks beautiful. 
it, it was it was that moment like to see Travis come back, mm-hmm. you know, that that just felt awesome. And dude, the moment that trailer started, I knew it was no more heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cell, mm-hmm. the cell shading, the the bad girl and her dad, and then, you know, he's like, put the gun down. I'm gonna fucking kill you. I'm like, that's Travis. Then, just, just for the sheer like joy and confirmation of it, the 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 sword lights up, and then there's that like clash, and I'm like, oh yes, just yeah. Welcome back, Travis Touchdown. I can't wait till 2018. I can't wait to get my hands on that game. No more Heroes Travis Strikes Back. Surprise moment of 2017 for me. That was it. That was my highlight surprise moment of 2017. Going going back to just like telling that it was no more heroes from the um from the cell shading. Like I knew it was and I wanted it, but I also was sort of like, can we also get Red Steel 3? I would be down for Red Steel 3. Like Red that. Steel 1 wasn't good, but Red Steel 2 was amazing with the Wii Motion Plus. I loved it. And I'm waiting for Red Steel 3. It, it, Red Steel 2 didn't feel very complete. It was very short. And I would love to see what they can do on the Switch. So Ubisoft, if you're listening, get to it, all right? <laughs> all right. So let's go Matt ahead. Mario and... Rabbids 2. Yeah, let's read Mario Rabbids 2. I'm on board with that. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving into September. <sighs> September was an eventful month for me. Uh, like, really eventful. Uh, I live in Florida. I had Hurricane Irma yes. uh, to deal with. Not just that, but initial projections of Hurricane Irma were was that it was going to go up like the Miami coast and go that way. And then that bitch swung the other way towards Tampa. And I'm like, oh, damn. Um, <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. yeah, September was an eventful month for me. And then uh, something else happened. I'm not going to disclose it here, but something tragic happened. Uh, in my family, and I had to leave uh, that month, and I had to go out of town. And I was in North Carolina for about a week. Uh, and Nintendo had a direct in that week. Uh, I got my, I did get a chance to see the direct from uh, where I was. It was a very good direct. Uh, so this direct was pretty focused. Uh, we saw Xenoblade Two in a larger capacity. I think this was the best capacity we had seen Xenoblade in this point. This was the this was the point in which I realized I wanted Xenoblade 2. Up until this point I was skeptical and I did not think it would meet its release date. I did not think that it would make it uh cuz they said it was coming out in 2017, no firm release date. This is the thing that that got me on board with it. This trailer was gorgeous. The voice acting was actually not bad. Uh, especially after the debacle of Xenoblade Chronicles, the voice acting in that game still not like my absolute favorite. Uh, we got to see Octopath Traveler from Square Enix. Super hype about this game. Um, this game, it's like gorgeously retro, yet somehow as diverse and high definition as other games of this console generation should be. Mm-hmm. It's just something brilliant and beautiful about this game that I just really, really like. So I was mm-hmm. extraordinarily happy to see that. And they announced the demo for that game, which I love that demo. Yes. I just love that demo. And I I just can't wait for that game. 
It's, that is going Primrose to be a really Rose? good game. Oh man, Primrose was definitely the better story. Alberg's right, uh, right. story was like really like I don't know, uh, cliche. Yeah, I thought I'm both the, were kind of cliched in a in a way, but I'd say Primrose might have had the better story. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like she had the better ability too. Like being able to challenge everybody, you know, is great. I like, if you, I like, if you, if you like grinding, if you like grinding, yeah. Oh yeah. And I know, and I know, RPGs are about grind, but like that, mm-hmm. hey, that's I'm not a huge like fan of the grind, man. But like, there, there were some characters that you could challenge, and it was really unexpected to see that they were really, really tough to beat. And they gave really good rewards, and I feel like you could do a lot with that in that kind of setting, where it's like you would never think to challenge this person. But then you would beat them. You get a really cool, unique item. I True, but what potential. I, I like that Primrose's seduction allows you to basically add anyone to your party that shouldn't be there. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, that's fun. You're right. I, like I need you, and then you can even get Ulbrich. If you, oh if yeah. You know, like yeah. you can, like it's such a cool ability, and I mean it sucks that when you if you lose that you you lose them, but totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I like her ability, and I thought her story wasn't quite as cliche as his. Um, yeah. That being said, though, I did enjoy both of their story modes, and I really can't wait to see the other six characters that get unveiled in mm-hmm. that game. Just super hyped for that game, and I, I, I have, I, I was when I was talking to KC during our year review. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, during our two year anniversary show, uh, I told him that when I saw this game and when I played this game, I felt the same way that I had felt back when I was a kid and I played my first Final Fantasy game. Like, there are feelings that I, that I have associated with video, certain video games. Like, <clears throat> Donkey Kong Country is the game that I think made me a huge video game fan. That's the, that's the moment that I went from playing video games to becoming a gamer. Mm-hmm. But the moment I played a Final Fantasy game, that was the moment I fell in love with like Eastern development. Mm-hmm. That, like, that and, and playing Octopath Traveler, the demo, I had that feeling again. It was like I was reminded why I love, you know, uh, JRPGs. Like, mm-hmm. And I, it's been a long time. I've forgotten why I like them. And Octopath Traveler completely reminded me of that. And it was a combination of, of the battle system, a combination of the, the beauty in its graphics, and a combination of, like, even the cliched stories just fit perfectly into, like, the scenario I, 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 was, I described when I'm talking about this feeling. They all mesh in this way that I had those, like, feelings of nostalgia and, like, this is, like, my this is the first time I felt this way about a game in a long time, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, to cap things off, we had a pretty huge showcasing of Super Mario Odyssey during the September direct. Yes. Uh, you and Jaden got to talk about this a lot. So, what are your thoughts on on what they showcased uh, at in the uh, in this event with Super Mario Odyssey? Oh God, it's been a while. Um, I mean, just the, I guess going back to the capture ability, that was really big. Um, I really liked um, going back to the Seaside Kingdom, I guess. Um, I, I guess I have to mention Mario's nipples. <laughs> um, that, that was like just seeing him, him running around on the beach, just so happy. Like, it was like that the trailer made me feel like it was fun and just 
made me feel happy. <laughs> like Mario running around on the beach. I don't know. And seeing, um, it was a look at a bit, a bit of um, new, new locations as well as um, some new characters, um, which were very interesting as well. Um, other than that, um, I think it was a good trailer. Mm -hmm. I think that's when they started showing too much. Uh, I think you mentioned that E three as well. I think there was a bit too much shown. Um, Mario needed to put a shirt on. There's too much showing there. Um, <laughs> um, no, but so so. I feel like it might have been a bit much, but also I really loved every second of that trailer. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it as well. And like I said, I was out of town and I didn't have access to my computer. So I basically sat in my car and watched it on my phone, uh, you know, while my, uh, while my family was doing the, doing what they were doing. Like I said, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to disclose the incident that transpired, but mm -hmm. September was a rough month for my family. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, this September direct. Uh, we also got a release date for rocket league. Oh yes. Yes, we did. Mm -hmm. And like, that was pretty cool. And I, I still think mm -hmm. we haven't said enough things about rocket league on this show, but so nice to have a game like rocket league. That's cross compatible. Mm -hmm. Like with the with the with the PC and the Xbox version, it is actually really nice to have that. It's a shame that Sony, out of all these companies, is the like lone holdout. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know they're they're citing that their infrastructure isn't like you know we have our own infrastructure and we have our own safety guidelines. And I'm like, Shh, you just don't want to play nice. Yeah, you just don't mm. want to play nice. But, I mean, on top of just being cross-platform, Rocket League, I feel like, is just a great game in the Switch's lineup and arsenal. Because, you know, you Nintendo, on top of just having fun games and fun competitive games, it's it's becoming a great hub for competitive gaming, in a sense, where you have um, Splatoon, you have a bunch of fighting games like ARMS, Street Fighter, hopefully one day um, Smash Brothers. Um, once we get an official Pokemon game, um, we're gonna get Pokemon like VGC tournaments on the Switch, and, and so having like this hub of competitiveness almost is nice. And so having a game like Rocket League, where it's you know it's competitive like almost esport level, but you can also play it just casually for fun. It's a lot of fun both ways. Um, oh, of course. And then you also have the the, the added like portability again, but mm -hmm. then you have with that portability, you also have the ability to play handheld. Mm -hmm. local multiplayer matches with yes. up to with up to eight consoles that's mm -hmm. again that's like it's fucking brilliant man like yes this might i know graphically it won't be the best version of rocket league no. but like as far as like accessibility mm -hmm. it might be the best version of rocket league as well as just like having it is nice as like part of the switch's lineup just it being there yeah cool. yeah it's definitely one of the 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 better gets for Nintendo as far as mm -hmm. third party and indie games are concerned. Yeah. Especially in terms of the balance in the competitive and casual world it has. Like Overwatch or, or a MOBA like a League of Legends, that might not be as casual, but more competitive. But Rocket League is a perfect balance of both. Oh, to go back to the uh to go back to uh the Nindy Direct in August, mm -hmm. we're also getting a MOBA. Oh yeah, we are, aren't we? Shoot. 
We're yeah, getting a mobile call. Switch. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, give me a oh, second. Let me look this up. I feel yeah. bad for completely forgetting this game because. Yeah. No, we were getting a mobile, weren't we? Uh, Arena of Valor. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we're getting our own MOBA on the Switch, which, like, look at look at what. Better than. Excuse me. Look at what the Switch is becoming. Like. Yeah. It, you're, it, it is it is becoming like as you said it's this hub for esports it's already a fighting video game hub as of right mm-hmm. now because yeah. you have street fighter, fighter Pokemon, you have um, Arms Pokemon. one day like, smash yeah it yeah it's it's not long before we get a smash game then you already have your competitive online shooter in splatoon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. morphe's law if morphe's law is any good which i believe it will be mm-hmm. you have another game that you will be yeah, Rocket League. Mario All Kart these- could be tournaments organized, not competitive esports, but Mario Kart's a fun competitive yeah. racing game. Mm. Turn items off and you and it becomes a legitimate racer. Yeah. I mean it it kind of strips away the fun of Mario Kart, but of that's course. what the yeah. the Smash community has been turning item off for years. Yeah. So it just tur- it's turned a, a party game into a competitive fighting game. Mm-hmm. And Mario Kart, if you turn off the, the items and you, you reduce the luck factor of the game. Yeah, it becomes a completely skill-based game. Mm-hmm. I mean, now granted, the skill the skill set that's required to play Mario Kart is nowhere near as no. high as it needs to be to play Smash because no. <laughs> the game kind of auto drifts for you. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, I mean, we'll sh- we'll eventually get some other competitive racing game, I'm sure too. But for now, we have Mario Kart. Exactly. No, but yeah, like we're getting a mobile. All these games feel right at home on the switch and that's mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of the the highlight of the switch is that all these franchises third party first party they feel mm-hmm. like they belong on this console yes all right so to cap off september we had the launch of the snes classic edition again like the nes classic edition before it hard to find mm-hmm. and they and they took pre-orders on this device so a month before, they, t- they took pre-orders in August. So funny story about that. I got to GameStop. I was the 10th person in line. And then the line was much longer after me. After I got to the front of the line, I want to pre-order an SNES Classic. Okay. Rang me up. That was the last one the GameStop employee shouts out. Points at me. We have no more pre-orders to take. Never left the GameStop so fast in my life. I was like, you must run before I get beaten or bribed. They only had 10 pre-orders available. For the SNES Classic Edition. Now, granted, crazy. as a whole, it has been a lot easier to get a Super NES Classic Edition. They have been trickling them out pretty um, consistently. Like it's a slow trickle, but it's at least consistent. Yeah, yeah they've been very consistent with releasing them. Uh, I see them everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not very sure. many. I. When I do go, but I see them like one or two at a time, yeah. never more than two or three. Yeah. So it's, but they're they're available. They're, yeah. So, but what I like about this was it's basically turned a scalping market for this particular device, and and just like turned it on its heels because you can't really resell Super no. NES Classic the way you could an NES Classic Edition, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. On top of that, finally got to play, like we were saying earlier, got to play Star Fox 2. Mm-hmm. Not a great game, but still, I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was better than Star Fox Zero, though. Not by much, but it was better than Star Fox Zero. 
I would also, on the topic of stocks for a second, though, like around the time that Mario Rabbids came out is, is when the Switch stocks started getting a lot better. Stocks, yes. September got a whole lot better. Oh, yeah. It's like they, uh, I think, I think they rectifi rectified like the screen shortage that had taken place. Uh, mm -hmm, there was probably. a yeah. shortage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I think maybe they found another source for their screens. Um, maybe they said they worked something out. So whatever that means. Back early in the Switch's lifespan, we're talking like within the second month of the Switch's uh, release, there was a report that part of the reason that Nintendo couldn't meet demand of the Nintendo Switch was due to the fact that the the manufacturer of the screens of the Switch was experiencing a shortage. Experiencing a shortage. Because that same manufacturer also makes screens for Apple and Samsung, who are the largest cell phone manufacturers in the world currently. Mm -hmm. And because these cell phone companies make phones in the millions versus the amount of uh, switches, you know, they're, they're, they're placing orders in the millions. And mm -hmm. Nintendo is placing orders in, like, the hundreds of thousands. So, yeah, the priority is going... You know, you know the you know the manufacturers dive. He's dive. They're defaulting to making uh, the screens for the phones. Yeah, uh, which because the orders are larger. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you know that they had to do something in order to gauge the gauge the need for what Nintendo needed. They had to yeah. do something. Uh, and they they've never outright said what they did to rectify this. I have a feeling that they probably found a third party source. I, they. I mean, it just seems like with the demand this high, Nintendo mm -hmm. really couldn't afford to have shortages. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, shortages on the Switch would have been a disaster. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would say that go that that finishes September up nice and cleanly. But uh, guys, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our last commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna cap off the last quarter of the uh, yeah, we're gonna cap off the last quarter of the year with October through December. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Nintendo Power Zone, guys. So far, we have covered from January all the way up to September. So we're going to kick things off with October. But before we start, let's welcome Jade into the show. Blues had to go ahead and slide out. But this is a year in review, so there's no way I'm doing this show on my own. So we we went ahead. We got Jade in on the show. How you doing, man? How was your Christmas? Uh, pretty good. Pretty small. Pretty busy. You know how it is. Lots of family. Uh, but... Uh, other than that, been really looking forward to doing this this segment of the show because uh, October, November, December, we saw a lot of things happen in in a very short period of time. Uh, so, pretty exciting. Oh, yeah. That's kind of been like the story of the year. It feels like 
week after from week to week it's just like one big thing after another man like as a podcaster who specifically focuses on Nintendo I will say that this has been the most exhausting year as uh for me uh this is my th- going into my third year doing this the first two years felt like a breeze uh, this year has been like oh god I need a break <laughs> But it's nice to have like you know the new additions to the show like you guys joining back in August like has really taken a lot of pressure off of this like mounting storm of Nintendo stuff. All right, but moving into October, uh, I woke up early October to find out some pretty pretty shitty news, and like right before the release of a major game. So the Nintendo Creator Program was killed off on YouTube. So they basically said you can no longer stream Nintendo games on YouTube. Uh, they were going to flag you if you did. You would get no profits off of that, which kind of sucks. And it leaves Twitch as the only streaming outlet for Nintendo games. Uh, it makes it hard because as of right now, the majority of our audience is personally on YouTube and on iTunes. Now, obviously, YouTube is not anywhere as big as the support that we get on iTunes, but this hinders a lot of what we can do on YouTube. And it's not just us, it's other you know content creators like the Switchcast or the Nintendo Power Couple or Game Explain or all of this. And this all stems from uh Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga being leaked and being streamed all on YouTube. So Nintendo decided to crack the whip as they say. So they're limiting the amount of review copies that they're releasing to the general public. So again, that also hurts the YouTube community because being able to get your hands on a review copy of a game, review it, deliver it in a consumable, you know, so- uh, review that's not that's not a possibility anymore and this this hurts up and coming content creators like us like we've experienced a pretty big growth over the course of the year and for us to see a brand new hurdle that's kind of disheartening in a sense you know yeah in, in, well, a, in a way uh although i think there's an argument to be made against even needing physical review copies anymore because uh, a lot of the times they don't, people don't even these, these big reviewers they don't really finish the games, um, and so I noticed that Nintendo's been doing a lot of uh, demos on the eShop. So I think that might be the path that they're trying to go, which would be kind of cool. Um, it would make things a lot easier. So especially for us, because then then we can say, for example, we could look at the Octopath demo or. Uh, Square Enix is releasing this new game, uh, Lost Sphere or Lost Sphere or something like that, which is a demo yeah. on the Switch that I haven't, I've been meaning to look into, but I haven't had a chance to do so yet. But that might be something really cool that people like us who can't contact Nintendo would say, "Hey, yo, we're small fish in the pond. Give us, give us, give us some copies to review." Um, so, so that'll be cool. I think, I think for uh, for the YouTube stuff. Um, more than anything, I think it hurts YouTube more than it hurts the us. Because I mean, people have been trying to use uh, YouTube to stream. Um, 
but Twitch still seems to be the the the, the big one, you know. Um, and I don't think I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. I know YouTube's been trying, Google and YouTube's been trying to get into the business, but they're also facing the battle on two fronts. They they're facing YouTubers jumping shit to because of the adpocalypse. Because sure. of the the crazy demonetization and having to manually review all these videos and and getting nailed by what have you. So <clears throat> I wonder if, if if Nintendo's decision to do that might also have some uh, something to do with just all the stuff, the apocalypse and whatnot that happened started. Yeah, that's definitely a, a real possibility. I mean, now they have gotten updated. There has been an update to this story, and Nintendo has said that they're working with YouTube to make it a more Nintendo-friendly environment so that they... I don't know what that necessarily means. Um, it's, I mean, we're just going to have to wait and see. Hopefully, we have answers for that in 2018. Um, <clears throat> I mean, but that was just a very strange way to wake up, check my email, and that's sitting there in the inbox. It is what it is, though. Uh, but yeah, the, the weird other thing too is that you know specifically they mentioned streaming content. I don't know how hard it's hit people who have done um, like reviews. You know where where they pull segments of games and they use them in something else. I don't think they've been hit as hard, but I can't really say from experience. I mean, because we haven't been hit super hard, uh, but then again, we haven't pulled as much content. The way some other YouTubers have, so it's it's hard to say. Yeah, and that's strictly because of like the we there's a social, we have a different type of social interactivity with our audience where, where, we're visible presences on this podcast. Like we make ourselves known entities. People see us, they hear us, they they see the looks on our faces, they see our thought processes. I think that's a little bit more important. Uh, sometimes when you're analyzing a game, I don't mind doing cutaways to game footage, but I also think that as part of the analytical process, you should see who is speaking. You should get to see what, see who they are and why they have the thought process that they have. So I think, I mean, that's why, and plus because this is more of a, um, the, the, the auditorium that we use to speak is, is vastly different than that of just a content streamer. Agreed. All right. But moving on to some better news. Nintendo Switch updated to the 4.0 software in October. There was a lot of cool little things that got added here. I think the thing that everybody wanted to really focus on was the capture function got opened up to record 30-second clips. Um, I know a lot of people like this, but for me, this was a miss. Uh, As a PS4 and Xbox One owner, uh, both of those uh, systems have... Twitch and YouTube integration, uh, they can stream content. Like they can legitimately stream content without the need of a capture card or any other external device to, 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 to do that. You can just stream. You're just streaming, and it's fine. I mean, so when Nintendo opened up the capture function, I was really hoping that they would do something similar. Uh, what they did was 30-second clips that are shareable via Twitter and Facebook. Now, I think it's a cool function and I've definitely utilized it to like, you know, my, you know, for my fun, 
I, I have tweeted out so many weird little clips that I, you know, do when I'm playing games, like on a daily basis, or like I'll play arms and I'll wreck somebody and I want that victory to live on. So I'll, you know, I'll post like, like this 30 second clip of me wrecking somebody, but, or I do, I'll do it in Splatoon. Like the other day I was playing Splatoon. I had a team wipe where I killed by myself and then the entire other team. I was like, well, okay, well, I have to share that. I just killed four people within 30 seconds. So obviously that was fun. Like, th- like I think it's a cool function, but ultimately I think it falls short of what the, of what the competition is doing. Uh, what are your thoughts? No, I, I agree. I, I, I like the idea. Uh, so, so the 30 seconds makes it perfect for memes. I've seen a lot of people pull like uh, 30 second clips from, um, uh, Breath of the Wild, where they're right about to die, and they'll do the uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure um, roundabout cutaway that to be continued. Which, if you haven't seen, there's a whole bunch of those videos, which are super funny. Um, but they've done that to Breath of the Wild, and it, and it really makes it really makes uh, memes perfect for Switch, which which I think is really important because we we've we've, we've entered a, uh, uh, an era. Where where memes are part of the mainstream culture, it's not just something that we did on 4chan back in 2007 with "Can I Has Cheeseburger," which and which and you know, um, motivation wolf and bad advice dog. Like th- that's what we had back in the day, and the fact that now it's evolved to this sort of memory is really interesting. And for Nintendo to get in on that, it's kind of a way to make themselves continually relevant. It does well, it's hurt. like them embracing the death stare. Yeah, 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 exactly. That was really solid. Whoever whoever they got to do that um, on their team, uh, props to them because they they did have a choice to say, no, this is dumb, we should try and distance ourselves, but they, they embraced it. It was really, really smart. But, um, uh, you know, I, I do kind of wish that uh, we, we could have a, a built-in streaming function with the Switch device, but on the other hand, I'm like, you know, I have a capture card, so it doesn't really affect me. So yeah, but I don't always want to connect everything to the computer. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> like the the tediousness of connecting a capture card kind of sucks. Yeah, no, I, I totally know what you mean. But um, it would be nice. The, the, the one the one problem the the big big problem I have with the uh, thirty second capture is it's only for certain supported games. It doesn't work for everything. Like, there's one of the games, one of my all-time favorite games, um, and I, I, I totally acknowledge that it's not a great game. It's one of my guilty pleasures, is the Dragon Ball Xenoverse 2. It's a lot of fun. It's not a great game. Um, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. I'd probably give it a probably 7.5 or 8 out of 10. So it's a good game. Um, but I'm also kind of biased. But anyway, uh, there's been a couple of times where I'm just like, oh, that was a, that was a really cool uh, combo segment. I wish I could capture that, even though it was me being bodied. So, <clears throat> I, and I can't do it because it only seems to work for a number of supported games. So I wish they could have expanded that function to support any game. That that would have been the, the, the most ideal way to handle that. See, right now it's my understanding that it's up to the developer of the game yeah. to add that support in. Uh, so I think Mario and Rabbids just recently got it. Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to dive into that again. <laughs> so it's it's up to the developer whether or not they want to uh, patch their game to include this this new support. But yeah, 
it's weird. Like I feel like a, a general like capture or like a stream would have been more ideal. I mean, because we live in a world now where streaming content is it's important to the experience of a game. You have the obviously you have the user experience of playing the game, but now there's also an audience experience that that we that people get to have now by just watching somebody else play a game. Because sometimes that's the difference between somebody making the purchase and not seeing somebody else play it, enjoying the content, and saying to themselves, "Hey, I kind of want to play this game now." Like, yeah, it's it's kind of like you know the review. It's like it's, it it functions in the way that review scores used to function as. But now you have this added, you have the added element of like engaging in the game in a different way. Yeah, and, that and could I be know able that to see footage too, because back in the day, I don't remember uh, when I when I was like ten, I used to be a big, big reader of Electronic Gaming Monthly. That was my favorite. Game Informer can still suck it because EGM was so much better. Uh, but you know, the only thing that was ever lacking from those reviews was the the lack of extra video. We can't see what they're talking about. Like, when you're talking about getting the footage, if you're on a Twitch stream and you're like, I don't know about this game, I want to check out WWE 2K18 on um, on the Switch because I've been hearing it's garbage, so let me take a look at it. Uh, if you get in the stream, you can actually see just how shitty the frames are. So, you know... And that's something that's completely been lacking in those old formats. It's true. It's it, it, like I said. It's like a level of in, interactivity that is like not there that the Switch doesn't truly support in and of itself. Uh, that being said, though, there was some other stuff in this uh, in this uh, update that is pretty interesting. So we got the support for wireless headphones. So hopefully, it becomes a lot easier to just play the game on the go like right now i'm doing this podcast wearing you know wireless sony headphones the fact that the fact that they're gonna work for the uh, nintendo switch is going to make my life a thousand times easier no lie um and no wires thank god man because yeah it's 2017 do we really still need wires uh to listen to music while we play our games or listen to the end game music it's cool that, that the Switch, they, that they added wireless, but I don't know how they function because I haven't looked into it myself. Um, I'm hoping that they did it via Bluetooth, which I assume they would um, now that the Switch has it built-in Bluetooth capabilities, but I, I haven't had a chance to... I haven't really been wanting to play around with it and check it out myself, so I'll have to find out at some point. I, I, haven't, I haven't tried it myself either, but I assume that it would be... Wouldn't that? I feel like that would interfere with the Joy Cons because it seems like everything interferes with the Joy Cons. Yeah, no, no kidding. That's one of the those other weird things. I'm like, well, it has Bluetooth. It, part of it is I just don't know enough about the Bluetooth technology itself. Um, so, I mean, I know it's capable Bluetooth technology. It is capable to have multiple Bluetooth devices synced to one device. So, like, you can have your phone, you can have a watch, a headset, and headphones all attached to your phone, but I don't exactly know how it works or if they're on the same frequency. That's just not my area of expertise. See, right now, I'm set, the setup that I'm using to record this podcast as we speak, I have a Bluetooth mouth, Bluetooth keyboard, and I'm wearing Bluetooth wireless headphones, 
and they all seem to be working fine with each other. I haven't had any like major drawbacks from this as of yet, but I don't know. <clears throat> Speaking of uh, Joy-Con connectivity issues, I don't know if you knew this or any of the viewers know this, but you can actually update the firmware on your Joy-Cons. Yeah, I did it, but they never said what it does, so I was super confused no, as to I why no I was idea. doing it. <laughs> but you can do it. For those of you who don't know out there that are watching it, if you have your Joy-Cons plugged into your Switch console and you navigate to the settings, um, you go to controllers, there should be uh, somewhere nested in there an option to update the firmware. I recommend you do it. I have no idea what the, deal what they do, but do it anyway. So... Yeah, I totally did it because that was part of the 4.0 update as well. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, what does it do? All right. Well, moving on with this update, uh, what else got added? Uh, uh, transfer. Transfer, Which yes. Big one because oh, yeah. um, I know in Japan they announced that they got a limited edition console, but uh, we haven't seen anything yet in America. But what that means is that, you know, uh, so I, I'm a big sucker. I'm a huge mark for limited edition Nintendo co uh, consoles. I have eight different 3DSs, and they're all limited edition. And well, so I'm it, probably going to gonna drop worse, money. Huh? To make matters worse, isn't it a Monster Hunter Switch? Yeah, 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 that in, in Japan. So I'm really angry because I, I would possibly have bought that here. But um, for those of you who, who, who want to shell out the money for it, you can you can buy it. Probably at like six hundred bucks now, because I don't know if it's still in print. <laughs> Buy it, and then you can actually transfer your Switch data over from one system to the other, which is which is good because that's that was something that was missing. All right, and finally, yeah, that's a big one too. By the way, like let, let's not underestimate that the Switch is actually a pretty fragile Nintendo console, <laughs> and having to. Uh, Transfer might be useful in the future. Yeah, no kidding. All right, but the last piece of uh, information from this uh, 4.0 update was the fact that this update added support for the GameCube adapter and GameCube controllers on the Switch, and they function with a number of games. Uh, Nintendo claims that this was a surprise even to themselves. I just think they didn't think anybody would see if a GameCube adapter would work after this update. <laughs> I think they're like, yeah, there's a Smash game coming, but we're not ready to announce it yet. So we'll pretend like we didn't know this was going to happen. I'm like, Reggie, tell believable lies. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's 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 nice. Uh, I'm glad to see that they're thinking ahead that far because we all know that we're going to get a Smash eventually or a oh, Smash esque yeah. game. But, um, or, or, so, so this is what I really want. I really want virtual consoles so I can play. Super Mario Sunshine with the GameCube controller. Oh, yeah, that would be great. That is what I want. So, I mean, I'm glad to say that they're thinking ahead and that they're doing all these updates all the way back in October. We'll, we'll see how uh, how applicable the GameCube adapter is in the future, but um, at least we know it's there. Yeah, that's true. All right, and to cap off October, there's only one thing we could talk about. Super Mario Odyssey, man. The game. Oh man, I was thought you were gonna say the troll and I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, Super I'm Mario Odyssey launches, and just like Zelda Breath of the Wild before it, critically acclaimed, sitting at a 97 on Metacritic, which ties it with the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which means 
the only game that has a higher score than Super Mario Odyssey still is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This is a launch year where we got two of Nintendo's core franchises, the two biggest Nintendo core franchises, and they both got near-perfect scores uh, based on Metacritic. This is fantastic, man. Like, as that's that's just it, it's mind-boggling that Nintendo has been able to blow it out of the water this much and have two really amazing games. Because uh, Mario Odyssey could have easily slipped into January and it would have still been a great year for the Nintendo Switch. I mean, I'm obviously I'm glad that it didn't, but had it slipped and had it been like a 2018 release, I think we would have been fine in 2017. And ultimately, I think Mario Odyssey might have won a Game of the Year award had it not had to compete with The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, easily. That that's, That is uh, absolutely, um, absolutely true. They could have easily won something had they uh, had not had to compete with Breath of the Wild. Um, it's good, though, because, you know, it, it shows that Nintendo's kind of silence on the Wii U front for the past year has really paid off in their efforts for the Switch. I mean, I was reading um, a report one or two weeks ago, and these games are... These, Odyssey is a console pusher. They, 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 they were saying something like 10 million units sold of the Switch. It's absurd. That that's a huge number in a first year console launch. They were saying oh. that it's like exceeds the Wii, which or maybe gets close to exceeding the Wii. But yeah, that's huge. I, I think by the end of the holiday season it's gonna be somewhere around thirteen, fourteen. I think yeah. it will exceed the the Wii U sales entirely by by the time by when January rolls around and we find out what the official holiday numbers were, I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's like at sitting at thirteen or fourteen million. Worldwide. Easily, easily, and and it and it's good for the system because it shows a lot of support going out strong. You know, it's really really it's solid. Also, it's also the fastest selling Mario game in the entire franchise, uh, and that's what it's it not being bundled with the console. I mean, there <laughs> is a bundle version of the Switch with Mario Odyssey, but there, it, I mean, it wasn't bundled with the console initially, like you know Mario Brothers or Mario Brothers uh, or Super Mario World. Or, I mean, we're looking at this, and it's a separate skew for for the Switch, the Mario Odyssey Switch bundle, than just the Switch. Yeah, that that's really impressive. So to see them selling this many uh, copies of the game, it's just God, man. It's like Nintendo just—they found a stride with their development, where they could. I mean, in a year where you, where I kind of felt like all their resources should have been going towards getting Zelda Breath of the Wild finished, that they had a separate team available to work on, on Mario. Not just it's Mario, actually, though, but Splatoon and ARMS. ARMS. I mean, and Pokken, which, I mean, I guess that's technically Konami, but whatever. Uh, you know, hit after hit after hit after hit. It's, 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 it's phenomenal. Uh, well, I mean... <laughs> I, mean, I don't know I how they managed to do it. I mean, I know that they've been doing a lot of hiring over at uh, it used to be called EAD. I don't know what they changed their name to since they merged the handheld and the console divisions together. But um, I think that also helped is that they merged the two divisions. It's no longer just a 
home console, you don't have your home console teams and your, your handheld console teams, you have your teams. Like they're inter, they're intermingled now, uh, which is nice because how many times did development staff get pulled off of a Zelda handheld game to get put onto the Breath of the Wild staff? Like that's the reason why it took so long to to get a link between worlds or Majora's Mask 3D was because they kept taking people off of the development of those games and they moved them over to Breath of the Wild's development. So both of those games got major delays. I mean, they came out and they're brilliant 3DS games, but they, you know, they would have been out much sooner if they, you know, they weren't dividing their attention between two different games. And now they're just one team working on all these games. It makes life has to make life at Nintendo easier. Like, I will say this: since Kimishima's been president, a lot of the restructuring that he's done has made a lot of sense for Nintendo. Well, it I, seems to be paying it, off big too. Yeah, and and it's I guess it's like the, the major difference between the Kimishima era and the Iwata era is that like delays aren't really acceptable anymore. Hey, I'm not complaining, man. I mean, we got this is a year with a Xenoblade game, my IP, a returning fighting game IP in Pokemon, a Zelda game, and a Mario game. I mean, this is like a fantastic year, so I'm I'm not complaining. But yeah, Super Mario Odyssey's uh, launch was pretty big. I mean, Nintendo did all the right things leading up to it for this game. You know, focusing their E3 pretty much on Mario Odyssey, really doing a lot to hype the game up. I think I think they couldn't have done better by the Mario franchise. It's Like I said, it's kind of a shame that it's not going to win a Game of the Year award because it's competing with an equally brilliant game. One with a you know slightly more unique storyline available to it. But that'll finish up uh, October, I believe, right? At least for the Switch, uh, which is it's interesting because with the with, with Mario Odyssey kicking off the like the last celebratory of the year kickoff for first party Switch game. Well, aside from Xenoblade, but uh, um, we also see kind of like the last big hurrah for the 3DS in the form of Ultra Sun and Moon, which Sorry, I believe I was forgot. the end, the very end of October, I believe. Yeah. It yeah. Was- I think it was the the twenty seventh, something like that. No, Odyssey was the twenty seventh. Was oh no, I'm in November. You're right. Yeah, November. Yeah. So that yeah. segues really well into November. So we see, we <laughs> yeah, see. So let's, yeah. So yeah, we, we see, we yeah, see uh, Odyssey as a, as as the birth, celebratory birth of Switch, and then we see uh, Zen and Moon, which is you know one of the last big titles on uh, the 3DS in the following yeah. month in November. So. Yeah, Sun and Moon actually functions as a pretty good swan song for the 3DS. I mean, I, it might get some continued support, but as far as first party is concerned, you know that they're pretty much... When the Pokemon team is ready to move on to the next console, that pretty much signifies Nintendo's uh, like development, the end of their development as well, because what else would they, would, would they release? I mean, maybe a Yoshi game, maybe a Kirby game. Well, we got our Yoshi and Kirby games last year. Yeah. So, and I think the last be... big Kirby game was October. Oh yeah, you're right with the digital download. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's not going to be anything left. I mean, I third party will stay on the bandwagon just because of the install base of the 3ds. Uh, 
But at some point, you know, they're also going to have to shift to the Switch. But yeah, well, with Pokemon's Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, they are they are nice remixes to, you know, an already successful game in the Pokemon franchise. It, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, Ultra Sun, which is what I'm playing. Uh, they didn't really correct the difficulty of the game, which I felt like they should have. I mean, they had time to, like, really, you know, increase the difficulty. It's still a little hand-holding. Um, but yeah. it's, by no means is it a bad game. It's it's just, I feel like, you know, with this iteration, they could have increased the difficulty slightly. I mean, but it is what it is. Uh, the changes that they did make, I do like. I do like the addition of the extra trial. Thank God for that, because it was kind of BS that she's like, yeah, here, just take this. In the like, original Sun and Moon? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Aren't you Sun and Moon felt really rushed towards the end. It yeah, really like did. All the story happens, and then once like once you've defeated, like, you know, the... Uh, the, 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 the waifu bomb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, once you've defeated her, like, the game kind of just peters off. Like, they didn't know where to go with the rest of it. Yeah, agreed. And it's like you can tell that the, 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 the development staff for this game was a lot younger than the staff that made, you know, X and Y and all the previous games before it. Like, mm-hmm. you saw the shift in the mentality because we do know that this game was directed by, like, a new director for the first time in the Pokemon franchise since uh, Gold and Silver. Like, Masuda has been directing those games since. And then he did not direct Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon or Sun and Moon. So it's we're seeing – I mean, and he's busy doing a bunch of other stuff, but – it makes me wonder what the you know the core development staff is doing, mm-hmm. you know, for the Pokemon franchise. It makes me think that they've been working on a Switch version, maybe well, a lot longer. I can't confirm that, but that would be my belief. A lot of the rumors have been pointing to a, a Switch release in Pokemon. There's been some talk about um, hiring from the Pokemon team for an unannounced Pokemon game, and um, some of those rumors also include the fact that it's going to be running the Unreal Engine. Which makes sense because that was one of the biggest selling points of the Switch. It was like, oh yeah, we've got Unreal support, so it's gonna make our games even better. Um, but yeah, no, that'll be it'll be very interesting to see how many of those rumors end up blushing out uh, in the near future. And if Pokemon runs on the Unreal Engine, I think we're gonna have a lot of crazy shit happening in that game. <laughs> I mean, it could be could mean another hit year for 2018. Uh, I think we'll we'll find out pretty soon in January once, uh, hopefully, well, what's yeah, going to come mean, with we, that. I mean, te- I mean, we are all anticipating another January uh, direct, so hopefully, that's just one of the things on the slate along with Metroid Prime Four. Uh, even a screenshot from that game would would satis- would satiate a lot of people at this point in time. Agreed. All right, but November was also. You know, outside of Pokemon, November had a lot of big news. Uh, so obviously, I want to start with uh, Super Mario cereal, just because I still think that's fantastic, and I finally managed to snag a box. I'm still looking. <laughs> I, I mean, I was looking for two weeks before I finally found one, but they made that announcement, and that was that was a nice callback. I was something, and again, I said this earlier in the show, but when they do something like make a cereal, it just shows that. We're in a new era of Nintendo, one where they're not so ironholdy over their IP that they're willing to let their IP exist outside of, you know, 
just the games where like we're starting to see merchandising and and just product placements in all the best ways. And 2017 yeah. was a good year for that. Yeah, and, and you know, from from a more broader cultural standpoint, it's it's really interesting to see companies in general starting to go back to like the mid '90s level of uh, product placement and expanding. Because I remember growing up in the '90s, they had a whole bunch of different random um, product placement cereals that you just. For some for for some reason in the late '90s, early 2000s, it became very taboo to 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 do those sorts of things. Companies just didn't do them anymore. Well, you know, anyway. when they announced Super Mario cereal, I put out a picture uh, with called and I called it the history of Nintendo cereals. So I put up a picture of every Nintendo themed cereal that they've had. They've had six, yeah. starting starting with Donkey Kong, then Donkey Kong Jr. Then the the super uh, the, I'm sorry the the cereal system, which was one side Zelda, one side Mario. Then we had two different iterations of Pokemon cereal, and now we we're sitting here at Super Mario cereal. <laughs> uh, and guys, two months in a row, we have hit you up with the Nintendo cereal cast. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Should be a no, thing. No, but uh, moving on. Uh, let's just I want to I want to quick fire this because Nintendo. Uh, hot off the heels of Fire Emblem Heroes, they released Animal Crossing Pocket Camp for Android and iOS. What are your thoughts on Animal Crossing? Uh, I'm a big fan. I've been playing it since uh, GameCube days when it first made it to the stateside. Um, it's one of those games that I tend to pick up every once in a while. And uh, I'll play it for a week trying to to get my uh, my town back together. Because I, I have this really, really, really bad habit of leaving my town for months on end and coming back and everything's um, overgrown with with weeds. So that's um, that's pretty much what happens to me. But it, it, Animal Animal Crossing Pocket Camp itself is it was an interesting title, um, and I thought it was particularly well done. I know that there have been some complaints within the community about people not being particularly happy with um, with the way the what do they call them the tickets because in order to get uh, certain items you need tickets in order to 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 purchase those said items but you know, if you, if you if if you've worked in the mobile industry the way I have for a little bit, and if you've studied these mobile games, you'd actually recognize that out of all the companies, Nintendo gives away a lot of free stuff. And so, I, I really don't think the hubbub that some of the the more older Animal Crossing communities have with the new mobile version has any real merits. Um, sure, it it might be somewhat annoying. That you can't get that item that you want right this very instant, but really, Nintendo gives out so much free stuff. It's it's kind of juvenile to complain about. Yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of the game, but I was never really a big Animal Crossing guy. Uh, I think I spent more time on Pocket Camp than I have on any other uh, Animal Crossing game, uh, and I find I find the game just to be slightly tedious. Uh, 
That's and Animal I, Crossing, though. And you're, and you're right. Like, I do feel like the game has given me a lot. Uh, whenever I turn it on, I've gotten, like, tickets or, or some of the other items are... Like, but I did, you know, I did a live stream of the, uh, on day one uh, of the game from my phone. And I, I thought it was an interesting title, but it just, it didn't really capture me. And yeah, there, I don't think Chrissy Teigen helped with her Animal Crossing rant, uh, where she basically called all the characters jerks that just wanted free stuff to come visit you. I was like, okay. <laughs> But that's Animal Crossing. So, so Animal Crossing is one of those titles that, it's like The Sims. You either love it or hate it. There's no one in between. Yeah, and it's one of those titles where, where you can't really pitch it to people either. So, so for example, what if you try and let, let me start with The Sims first, and I'll go to Animal Crossing. If you try and explain to people The Sims, they're like, "So what do you do?" Well, I make a character, and usually that character is kind of like a virtual me, and then he goes about his daily life, working a nine to five job and climbing the corporate ladder and building a relationship, and you're just like. That sounds incredibly boring. And you're like, no, 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 it's really fun and addicting. And they're like, no, that sounds really stupid. Animal Crossing is, is similar. Where, where people are like, okay, what, what, what is Animal Crossing? Well, you're a villager in a town of talking animals. And you just talk to animals and you collect stuff and you collect bikes and you're indebted to an evil tanuki. And... <laughs> They're just like that's incredibly boring. But then, but, but, but then when you play it, you either love it or hate it. And there's something very charming and slice of life e about it. So that's 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 one of the unfortunate things about Animal Crossing in general. You either enjoy it and you find it charming and addicting, or you find it tedious and obnoxious and irritating. It, it's really just one of those sorts of titles. Um, but that's also what I why why I like it because in 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 the modern day and age, especially with AAA studios, you really don't see as many niche titles as we did in the '90s and 2000s. Oh, that's very true. All these studios are trying to get things that apply appeal to literally everyone, and when you when you when you make titles that try to hit the largest crew crew the largest size people audience. You tend to lose things, and Animal Crossing is not one of those. Well, you know, I will say this about Animal Crossing. As as little as I care for it, I will say that out of all the Nintendo IP to make, an, make the transition from, you know, mo- you know, handheld gaming or console gaming to mobile, this is the one that I think did it without fundamentally sacrificing core elements of the game. This is the one that transitioned the best. Graphically, it's yes. the best-looking Animal Crossing game, uh, I think, since the GameCube version. Yeah, I'd agree. Maybe, I mean, the 3DS the one and the DS one, they looked good, but because of the the hardware, it didn't yes. look as crisp as well, the it's, GameCube it's one. Res- it, it comes down to the resolution of the, the yes. 3DS DS screen. But with the, you know, when you're when you're playing with a phone that has, you know, 1080p built into it you look at these characters and they look really vibrant they don't look jagged at all unless you know their hair is supposed to look jagged i mean they they look crisp this is the best looking animal crossing game aesthetically you know the music is very you know animal crossy Mm -hmm. and even the gameplay 
to an, you know, it's like Animal Crossing light, but it's still fundamentally Animal Crossing. It, it, it has made the transition better than Fire Emblem. It made the transition better than Mario. Uh, Mitomo, mm-hmm. Mitomo is like a poor man's Tomodachi life. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think out of all of them, it's the game that sacrifices the least. Uh, agreed. Definitely agreed. Uh, Animal Crossing, I'm su- honestly surprised they waited so long to do a mobile because Animal Crossing, out of all their, their IPs, would have made sense to me to be the first one for them to do. I agree. I, I've been saying that for a while, that Animal Crossing fulfills the role that Mitomo did, should have done. What they wanted for Mitomo should have always been Animal Crossing. Yeah, no. Like, what? Because the you know the the integration between you and your friends in Animal Crossing feels deeper than it does in Mitomo, despite the it fact does. that you can actually communicate with your friends in Mitomo to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the characters are more appealing, and it just it should have been Animal Crossing. Mitomo shouldn't actually exist. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, yeah, Mitomo is came at a weird period. I think um, it was kind of a weird way. I think for Nintendo to bridge between the Miiverse and get it on the phones, and also get a way to get all the different Nintendo accounts together in one and so it was trying to do a lot of different things but it was a little bit unrefined so i'm hoping yeah. that in the next year all that gets straightened out especially since the meverse um i think that ended in november actually now that we're still on the same month yeah i yeah, believe it, it did which was a very 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 sad day for the big yeah. nintendo community you know for as flawed as meverse was there was something enjoyable about using it. Like, yeah, you could put, you could, you know, you, you had your screen capture elements. And yes, it is much more refined on the Switch. But there was something about knowing that your post would be seen directly by the, the larger Nintendo community. With Twitter and Facebook, it's kind of a crapshoot. Oh, yeah. If, there, Everyone if uses the community it. is going to see what you're posting. Like, is somebody going to see my post on Twitter? Well, let me let me look. Okay, yeah. Well, there's there's some there is some user interaction with the things that I post, but on Meverse, I felt like it was twofold. Yeah. Although Meverse had like really strict like content limitations as far as like what you could say in a post, like that you don't have on a Facebook or Twitter. But still, I mean, that's part of Nintendo's community. They they want to build an all-encompassing community, a safe environment for all. Uh, and that's not something that Twitter or Facebook truly guarantees. Like, honestly, Twitter is the Twitter community is extraordinarily toxic because there's no. <laughs> that's because people are toxic. Yeah, it, there's no filter on Twitter, but there was a filter with Meverse, and yep. so it was a safe environment for you know for people to post their game stuff. Uh, and you know, you knew that if something was out of line, that Nintendo would regulate against it. Uh, and now if you look at Splatoon, Splatoon 2, the lack of Miiverse regulation has led to some weird, weird stuff like the whole uh, the transgender squids or the yeah. 
the furries. I like the fact that it would, that in Splatoon 2 you're able to um, do things like that and get people around together and because because they do it. So for me in Miiverse, tying it back to Miiverse, I really like the art that came out of it. And so seeing that all in Splatoon 2 to me is very interesting. It's just that sometimes it's like, dude, this has been going on for two weeks. G- give me give me some new content. I'm bored. I'm bored of this. You're trying to stir up controversy where just no one no one cares anymore about uh, about the, the the furry squids. We get it. It's cool. You're here. Thanks. Now, uh, it's two weeks. We've welcomed you. Stop seeking attention and trying to draw controversy. You, you know what I mean? Like that. That's what it. That's what it, it feels like in in many ways. Which I know I'm gonna get lambasted on Twitter, and for for saying something like that because it's not technically pc but um that that's that that has always been my impression of uh of the current state of affairs platoon 2 i like that it's a medium to be able to say those things but you also need to realize you know don't stir up controversy to stir up controversy that's very true all right so bethesda had a big month last month two yeah, two of their tentpole franchises, uh, Doom and Skyrim, released within seven days of one another. Uh, I haven't picked up either of these games. I'm actually holding off on Bethesda games until Wolfenstein 2 comes out for the Nintendo Switch. But huge titles for the for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Skyrim probably you know the lesser of the two because when you think about it, like that game is that's from 2011. Yeah, it's an ancient game. Yeah, but Doom. Doom is Doom. It's freaking Doom on a Nintendo console. Like, and it's a recent release. It was released in what, 2016? 2016. It only came out last year, so it's a it's a pretty good get for the Nintendo Switch. And look, it's not going to be the best version of Doom. Obviously, if you want the best version of Doom, you're playing it on PC. your PC. But it's Doom. Portable Doom. I'm not talking like laptop portable. I'm talking about handheld console portable Doom. And for the game, from what I've heard about the game, it runs pretty pretty good for you know considering that it's playing on the Nintendo Switch, which graphically is not it's not the best console in the market. Like graphically, like being honest, being 100 honest, the Switch does not output what the PlayStation 4 or the Xbox One vanilla versions do. It's slightly under it, but guess what? It's still running Doom, and it's a very big third-party game running on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, hopefully the numbers are good for it. I, I, I honestly hope that Bethesda seeing the returns that they would like to see on this on this console. Uh, L.A. Noir also got released last month as well, and that's a game by Rockstar. Like These, these are huge games from huge third-party developers, but I think Bethesda's support for the Switch has been kick-ass thus far it's really impressive because especially with the title like doom because it runs well on the switch i mean what when you take everything into consideration when you take into the switch hardware when you take into um into factor what doom was initially released for in terms of the specs that they required the fact that it runs as well as it does is kind of it's nothing short of a miracle in many ways but what it also tells us is what you can do 
with the Switch. What what sort of titles the Switch is capable of running, which is why when you look at 2K's WWE 2K18 and the absolute rubbish that that is, it's unacceptable. You, 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 if a triple eight uh, studio like Bethesda can get Doom to run on the Switch at, without dropping under 30 frames per second, or I don't, I'm pretty sure 30 is the lowest that it reaches, there's no excuse for 2K Games, which is another triple uh, AAA studio. Like, you know, people gave the troll a nice shit. Because it was not it's not a very good game, but that was also made by an indie dev studio. We can let that slide. Two K, there, there was no excuse for two K eighteen to drop below ten frames per second. There is no excuse for it to look like absolute rubbish. You're a triple A game studio. Get get your shit together. Well, it, it's just like with EA and FIFA, uh, whatever. Yeah, two K FIFA twenty eighteen or whatever. Uh, it's not okay to release subpar versions of games anymore, especially when you see a Skyrim or you see, you know, a a Doom running on the Switch. Hell, to a lesser extent, Mario plus Rabbids, which utilizes Ubisoft's proprietary Snowdrop engine, which look at the games that used Snowdrop. Yeah, uh, yeah both, true. Uh, the, the newest South Park game, The Fractured But Whole, I believe it's called. Uh, yeah. Tom Clancy's The Division. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Division, yeah. The Division. Like, not a fan of that franchise, but graphically it is a pretty impressive, you know, console shooter. So the fact that, you know, the Snowdrop engine isn't, it's a very versatile engine as, you know, if Mario plus Rabbids is running on the Switch and running, you know, 60 frames per second almost throughout the entire course of the game. So it's not okay to release subpar games for the Switch. Either develop utilizing proprietary engines that can work on the Switch, or hell, Unreal Engine works on the Switch. Unreal 4 works. Yep. Make it, yeah, it, I mean, utilize it. Utilize the tools. Hell, Ukulele is using Unity, and while that's not the best development tool, they found a way to get ukulele to run on the switch. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it took it took some graphical hits, but it also, I mean, you know, uh, Playtonic Games also went the extra mile to maximize and optimize the game for the switch. Yeah. So you know, it's funny. I was reading, um, I believe, an article through an interview. They were saying that right now the Switch version seems it is like the pinnacle version in their opinion because of all the efforts that they put into it. Yeah, I was watching Digital Foundry's uh, of comparison. Uh, yes, Digital Foundry is an excellent tool. Uh, as a, if you if you are a podcaster or a YouTube creator, they the work that they put in is. Pure. Strictly, it's 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 fantastic work, but they were they did they were they showed side by side comparisons. They talked about, you know, they showed how you know how the games ran on each console, and it it actually ran better on the Switch version. I mean, yeah, both games both games run at thirty frames per second, but the drop down was less on the Switch. Uh, now there is a fidelity issue, like in handheld mode, it it doesn't run at the native seven hundred twenty p. It runs at like six hundred p. Yeah. But honestly, this, do you really 
who truly notices the difference between 720p and like 600p like do you really 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 notice it when it comes up to a screen size as big as what the switch offers <laughs> no kidding right but yeah i mean to you know it's not okay developers need to make the extra effort or you know you get the 2k18 debacle and then you start to burn people and they stop supporting your stuff and with fifa you took out an entire career mode from your game so of course nobody's gonna want to support your game and also don't release a soccer game in america and expect that to sell like out the ass yeah release i don't know what they were expecting like oh we're gonna gauge yeah that 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 would have been a much more better um test measure if you're gonna release one of your french if you're gonna release one of your core franchise games for the switch go madden mass effect they released nba and nba did fairly well what about what about mass effect what about mass effect you could have put all three mass effect games in a collector's edition and gauged the market that way i would have bought them like they were the good ones (laughs) yeah because like obviously nobody liked mass effect uh for Andromeda. Andromeda. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, Bethesda killing it in November. All right, guys. Moving on to our final month. Uh, all right. So moving into December, Capcom had a Twitch stream a couple weeks back. And in this Twitch stream, they were celebrating Mega Man's 30th anniversary. Now, I watched this Twitch stream with very low expectations. I'm like, sure, you're just going to do another Mega Man collection. That was, that was all I was thinking. I was like, we're not getting anything. Well, they said, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. We're talk- Here's Mega Man 11, bitch. And I'm like, oh, snap, Mega Man 11. And it looks, it looks really good. Um... I will say that I am slightly concerned about Mega Man 11 after the debacle that was Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah. Um, Although to be fair, Mighty Number no. Nines, see, we we have this big problem on the internet and in general, where people are unable to separate certain elements of 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 things, and so it all just becomes bad. Mighty Number no. Nine itself. The game itself wasn't terrible. That what really played Mighty Number no. Nine was the development process. It stalled in development, and people hadn't heard anything for a while, and there was a lot of issues with deploying certain um, versions. I still don't think the PS Vita or the 3DS versions came out, and so from that standpoint, you know that was a huge mess. But people aren't able to separate. Okay, development was bad, but let's look at the game itself. People are not able to do that. And Mighty Number no. Nine, the game itself, isn't isn't is not terrible. It's it's a throwback to Mega Man One, which is what it was supposed to be. And no one, no people are expecting Rockman X or Rockman Zero, and, and Mighty Number no. Nine is not those things. It well, was never I got the game for fifteen. Things. I got the game for fifteen dollars at Target on clearance, and I I enjoyed the game for what it was. But at the end of the day, I mean. I think what I think what hurt that game was that the final product didn't look as good as some of the renderings of what they initially showed. 
I think I think that's my gripe with the game was that you know they showed us some great like renderings and they showed us gameplay and then when we got the final product it didn't really match up with what we were initially shown and I guarantee that's that comes from having to develop this game for multiple consoles uh especially when one of those consoles happened to be the Wii U yeah I it, like putting that game on the Wii U kind of hurt it a little bit I mean yeah I think it could have definitely agree there and but, you know the other big problem is that it also had a Kickstarter budget, and <clears throat> people don't really understand how much money really goes into the process of, of game dev. So so when they see the Kickstarter, they say, "Dude, they raised two million dollars, like or what was it, three something like that, two or three million bucks, yeah. somewhere in the line." And they say that's a lot of money, but when you really break it down, that that's not. I mean, if you if you compare it to what software engineers make in in here in Silicon Valley, you're lucky if you can hire one software engineer for 80 grand a year. I mean, if you have a team of 10 software engineers all making 80 grand, there goes nearly half of your budget out of 2 million. You know what I mean? And then and then and then you have to factor in things like, oh, well, we're going to voice these characters, which I don't think they should have done. They should have just if they were going to voice them, they should have stuck with only Japanese uh, because I know you could have gotten a better deal off of those uh, but then they wanted both Japanese and English, so then you got to pay all those people, and then you have to go into marketing, which marketing is absurdly expensive, and et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, that two million bucks really doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. Well, let's put things into perspective. Grand Theft Auto V, one of the biggest AAA titles ever made. That game cost $265 million to make. Yeah, it's huge. You're talking Mighty Number no. Nine is technically an indie game. Yeah. Um, when you when you compare, like I know Grand Theft Auto is a much bigger, more ambitious game, but you gotta pay to play. Like yep, literally, yep, yep. you gotta pay to play. Two hundred sixty-five million dollars for the biggest AAA title of the last console generation. And we're talking about a kick a game that got kickstarted. Now, granted, let's when the budget for Mega Man Eleven comes out, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere in the tens of millions. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And a lot of it's game. probably going to go into marketing. I bet you they're going to spend at least two million in marketing. I mean, it doesn't hurt that like I mean, I'm, I'm they're saving a few bucks with that game informer cover story. And yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure they saved a little bit of. They didn't have to spend too much money to do that that Twitch stream that they did. I mean, but even that had a pretty high production quality to it. Yeah, I mean, you're pay, you're paying for studio time. You're building a set. You're yep. you're populating that set with Mega Man paraphernalia. Then you constructed a trailer. Uh, you know, which means you had to have a certain portion of the game already developed in order to showcase. Yeah. So, I'm, or if there is no, if there is no game, then you have to uh, pay for an animator to make some, some like a, a minute trailer, which you know what I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's not cheap. I, mean, I, I am concerned about the game because of the the downfalls, uh, the pitfalls of Mighty Number no. Nine, and primarily, I, I feel this way because Capcom, the Capcom of recent years has not handled 
the Mega Man franchise with care. They haven't handled any of their franchises very well. I mean, if we're being completely honest. Well, Resident Evil 7 and Monster Hunter have been... That's about it. ...thoroughly supportive. Uh, but, you know, Street Fighter V was a debacle upon its initial release. Yep, yep. Uh, we had three canceled Mega Man games in the span of five years. Uh, yeah. We had Mega-, Mega Man Online was canceled. Mega Man Legends was canceled. Yep. And that weird Mega Man game that had American box art Mega Man. Mega Man oh, Mega yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I'm vaguely remembering, but yeah. I believe but it I mean, was Mega like, Man Universe. Um, I think, what else did they have that... Um, weren't they talking about doing a, another Darkstalkers game and that got axed? I'm pretty sure they oh, were yeah. talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, Devil May Cry. I mean, well, they reacquired people the hated DMC. So, I mean, yeah. I really like DMC, but uh, it, I thought it was the best one. But I'm I'm in the minority there. Um, they also uh, MBC Infinite has also, has been a storm of negative. Press. Well. When you look, well, I think a lot of the the negative reaction to Infinite is because of of uh, Fighter Z, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is like you have a game that is almost identical, but looks far superior. Well, that's because Arc System Works is a honestly Arc System Works makes better fighting games. <laughs> that's true. Blaze uh, <laughs> Blue. Yeah. Pretty much. I, I mean, Capcom's been able to get by with the Street Fighter 2, uh, like, because Street Fighter 2 got a shit ton of momentum, and they've just been riding that for years, and titles like uh, Alpha Third Strike and, you know, Street Fighter 4 for, well, at least when Street Fighter 4 first released, it, it really helped keep the momentum going, and then, they, and then they released Arcade Super... Super Ultimate Arcade Edition, and people are just like, dude, Capcom, what the hell are you doing? So, uh, they, they've really done a very bad job of... Franchise maintenance. Yeah, and that's not to, to, to mention all the other dead franchises. We lost... They haven't done a Lost Planet in forever. <laughs> they they haven't sure done... Breath only got yeah. that one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see another Power Stone. Tony <laughs> Musha? Onimusha would be great. Uh, I mean, bring Samanosuke back, man. It, so for me, my big one is I would love to see another Breath of Fire. Breath of Fire is one of the best RPG series of all time, all time. I want a sequel to Okami. Yeah, our Okami would be great. I would love to see another Beautiful Joe. Beautiful Joe, Hashinagogo, um, baby. Yeah, I mean, Dragon's Dogma was a great niche hit, but they've been they haven't said anything about the supposed sequel that's that's gonna happen. Uh, I mean, I, I th- I'm afraid that one's probably gotten axed, too. Oh, Capcom, Capcom's track record with how they deal with their franchises is not strong, which is why I'm also very um, apprehensive about the, the Mega Man. Because, I mean, we, we, we've, we've heard them say before, no, we're going to love Mega Man again, only to be burned. You know, that was Mega yeah, Man I mean- 10. Mega Man 10 isn't a horrible game, but it's it's too much of a step backwards in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, Mega Man 2 is the 
is the benchmark as far as classic Mega Man is concerned. Oh, yeah, Mega easily. Man 2 yeah. is the benchmark. All the additions, yeah. all, the, all the things that, all the abilities that Mega Man has yep. within that game are the pinnacle, and everything else was building upon that. Uh, I mean, but then there's Mega Man 3, which is notoriously bad, um, but that was a, had a very rushed development cycle. Yeah, but I mean, my point was uh, not, not so much Mega Man 10 itself, but around, when Mega Man 10 released, it was supposed to be a heralding of the new era of Mega Man. And then we saw nothing about it. We didn't see a new Rockman X. We didn't see a new Rockman Star Force. Uh, Rockman Legends 3 got um, kaputzed. And so yeah. when they say with Mega Man 11, well, if this game does well, maybe we'll see Rockman Legends 3. I'm like, fuck you, Capcom. Put your money where your mouth is because last time you burned all of us. So, you know, I'll probably be getting Mega Man, uh, Mega Man 11 just because... You know, I'm still chasing after the pipe dream of Legends 3, but uh, I, my, my expectations for it actually coming out are very, very low. I, I'm on board with Mega Man 11, but only because it's supposed to come out for the Switch. Yeah. Agreed. Mega Man, Mega Man uh, I said this earlier, that uh, characters like Bayonetta and Travis Touchdown, even though they are not Nintendo properties. They're not Nintendo IP. For some reason, I inherently view them in the same light that I view Nintendo characters. Now, while they are a, like a lot more adult-oriented than you know standard Nintendo IP, they're just innately tied to you know Nintendo consoles, um, which is why I was so happy about you know No More Heroes: Travis Strikes Back getting announced. Mega Man, yeah. I feel the same way about. I feel the same way that about Mega Man. He belongs on a Nintendo platform Agreed. Um, in some capacity. I don't care if it's the 3DS, the Wii U, or the Switch. Um, but at this point, I kind of just want Mega Man, period. Um, but I, the fact that there is a Switch version of this game coming out is what gives me hope that this will be a good game and this is why I will support it because I want a Mega Man game on the Switch more than I... I want a Mega Man game, but I want it on the Switch more than I actually want the game itself. Agreed. I would also love to see uh, an exclusive return to, like, something along the lines of the .x and or Star Force series. Because oh, they yeah. were fantastic titles. Um, didn't get nearly enough love, but they were Nintendo exclusives because they were all on the Game Boy Advance slash DS. So I would love to see some of those come back I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, outside of that, last thing I just want to briefly uh, talk about is in, uh, Breath of the Wild won the Game Awards Game of the Year. It won IGN's Game of the Year. It won GameSpot's Game of the Year. Um, it's won multiple Game of the Year awards in a year uh, that had good games on every platform. Mm-hmm. Every console had great games this year. Nintendo has has had a you know they've had a momentous year of good game after good game after good game after good game after good game, and you had these two fantastic games on the Switch, uh, in Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. 
And to see one of those games win the Game of the Year awards from this many outlets just reaffirms how good Nintendo is at what they do. Like, all these other game companies, all these other developers, all these other uh, console manufacturers, they have always followed Nintendo's lead. Mm -hmm. Whether or not Nintendo was the market leader is a completely different story. But fact of the matter is, all these other game companies get to exist based on what Nintendo has done throughout the course of the years. And they have proven without a shadow of a doubt that they know game development better than anyone. To take a franchise like The Legend of Zelda and transform it into what Breath of the Wild was, removing all the tropes that The Legend of Zelda franchise has, doing away with all that and doing something entirely new and still walking away with the Game of the Year award, I think that is the best way to cap off 2017. That Nintendo knows what they are doing. Uh, and we should just stop doubting them and people stop calling for them to stop making consoles. Yeah, this, no kidding. The, like, every time you people say that Nintendo needs to stop making consoles, I question you, your logic process. It also shows that you, 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 do, you, you do not have a fundamental understanding of how capitalism and competition works to make better things. You just don't understand it. You do not understand how competition functions within this system in order to drive people to make better things. And trust me, it's only a matter of time before Sony and Microsoft find their own way to, to capitalize on portable gaming again. Uh, happened with the motion controls in the Wii. We got the Kinect and we got the Move. Uh, we're gonna. I, I think we're gonna see some uh, copycats in the near future. Uh, but that being said, I want to close this year in review up with uh, some 2018 predictions. So I'm going to kick things off. I think we are going to see Pokemon uh, Switch. <clears throat> We're going to see it at E3 or before E3 because the Pokemon company doesn't like to go to E3. We're going to see it before E3 and we will have a release of Pokemon uh, Switch in November of 2018 and one more game i think we are going to have uh smash brothers uh dx uh for the switch uh in october of next year and i think it's going to include all of the dlc from the wii u version and the 3ds version i think it's going to include 3ds stages and i think it's going to include smash run from the 3ds it's gonna come. It's basically gonna take the best elements from the Wii U version and the 3DS version, and it's gonna smash them into one larger game. And we're gonna see that October of 2018. Any yep. predictions going forward? Uh, you know, um, one of the things I hope we see is I hope they announce a new Xenoblade Chronicles X. I know at the end in December, December 1st, we got Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But Xenoblade Chronicles 2 was more closely related to Xenoblade Chronicles 1 
than it was to Xenoblade Chronicles X. And I'm hoping we see a a better take of um, Xenoblade Chronicles X because I did like the idea with the giant robots. It was a very interesting game. It's a very different game. So I'm hoping we see more from uh, I believe it's Monolith Soft because they're they're fantastic. Um, I'm sure we'll see more on the front of Bayonetta 3, because we also did see that announced in December. There's a bundle package for, for Bayonetta 1 plus 2, and they announced Bayonetta 3. Um, there was rumors going about that Konami... Or not Konami, excuse me, uh, Bamco, Bandai Namco, they had a kind of... Uh, an announcement on the 15th of December for only industry people. So we haven't we haven't heard anything coming of that, but I'm really hoping that part of that is going to include a Dark Souls trilogy for the Switch. I would love to see that. Um, and you know, as always, I would love to see uh, Return of Old IPs. I would one of the things. I would love for Nintendo to do it more than anything in the world is to get a remastered version of originally a Dreamcast title, but also released from the GameCube, Skies of Arcadia. Oh, snap. One of the greatest games of all time, boasting not only a fantastic uh, turn-based system, but also a fantastic air combat system. In, in Skies of Arcadia, as the game suggests, you can actually... Uh, it takes place in the sky. You're a sky pirate. And built into that system was a way for ship-to-ship combat. And I, more than anything, I would love to see um, some remastered returns of these things. Um, so... Um, I'm hoping that some of these other games companies will get on board to re-releasing some old IPs. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, honestly, I, I'd be content for them to just take the shape of a virtual console. <laughs> like, I know 2018 is supposed to be the year where we start paying for the online service. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what sort of entails that is what what sort of details are coming along with that service as well as um, if if the virtual console comes along with it and what we get to see yeah i agree i mean those are all awesome uh, predictions and hopes for the next uh follow, for the following year but uh what do you guys think guys what do you guys want in 2018 you already know what to do email us hit us up on twitter hit us up on facebook you know all the social media links. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at nice1983. You can hit Jay up at at Jaden Winsong. And uh, guys, you already know. Check us out on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash Nintendo Power Zone. If you're a fan of this podcast, you can download new episodes on iTunes, Google Play Music, stream new episodes on Stitcher Radio, and uh, if you want to watch us live, you can catch us right here on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash Nintendo Power Zone. But uh, Jaden, anything else to say for the uh, for 2018 or, or to close out 2017? It's been a fantastic ride with the Switch and Nintendo. And even though we may be saying goodbye to the 3DS, I think we've got a really bright future with the Switch. I 100% agree. I think it's been a fantastic year for Nintendo as a whole. I think it's been a fantastic year for this podcast. You know, Jaden, Jay Brilliant, and uh, Brendan. 
have all been fantastic additions to this podcast. They have made this show a lot better. Uh, they have added so much content to the channel. And 2018 for the Nintendo Power Zone is going to be a bigger, badder, more awesome year than 2017 was. So I hope you guys look forward to 2018 with us. We're going on break until the end of January. So we will see you in 2018. Thank you guys so much for watching. Deuces.